Welcome to the Business and Personal Development Podcast with Chris Haroon, where you'll find tips on how to take your career to the next level. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Welcome to our 168th weekly webcast. If this is the first time you're joining us, welcome. If you've been with us before, welcome back. And so the way this call works is this is an AMA, like you see on Reddit. AMA meaning ask me anything. Uh, you can ask me business questions, career questions, personal questions, anything you want to. So I can humbly help you take your career or your business to the next level. Now this call lasts three hours. And after it's done, my wonderful staff, what they do is they go to the description field of this YouTube video and they type in all the questions asked with clickable access. Okay. First of all, I want to say good morning to Majed. How are you? Majed's got the first question here. Hello, Chris. I hope you and your lovely family are doing well. We are. Thank you. We're doing well. They're back in school now, which is sad, but good because we're making progress getting past COVID. But I miss them. They're in great public schools here in California. Uh, you wrote, uh, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to do these weekly webcasts. My, my pleasure and thank you for being here. Uh, I was hoping you might be willing to give your thoughts on the economy uh, and the stock market. Yeah, absolutely. Let's kick it off with the economy. So the way it works is governments try to improve the economy using two different sets of medicine. Okay, they've got one medicine called fiscal policy and another one called monetary policy. Now, fiscal policy is basically stimulus programs. So they spend a lot of money to build bridges, walls, uh, defend the country, etc. Okay, and when they do that, that creates more jobs. And they also have tax incentives as well. Uh, and many other incentives you get, tax breaks, etc., especially COVID relief tax breaks. Next up, we have monetary policy on the economic side. Uh, and so monetary policy uh, is the policy of money, meaning uh, interest rates. And so the government can cut interest rates in order to stimulate the economy. And so when times are great, governments really should be fiscally responsible and raise interest rates a bit, not too much. So that when times are bad or more challenging like now, they can jumpstart the economy by, um, by actually cutting rates. And once they cut rates to zero, which is basically where they are right now, um, then they can't really do much more from a monetary policy perspective. And so from a monetary policy perspective, globally, rates are close to zero. There's not much you can do. I know that China this morning, this morning China cut their interest rates for the second time recently because although last year uh, they had robust growth of 8%, they saw a massive slowdown in their economy in the month of December, partially given the real estate crisis. So once interest rates are basically zero, which they are basically in America, and once we're done with all fiscal policy stimulus, then there's nothing you can do. Now, the reason that the government uh, around the world and the United States have less in left interest rates at close to zero uh, is because they can't jumpstart the economy anymore. And so what's happening is, is this. Over the past two years or a year and a half or so, the market has done extraordinarily well. I know that the NASDAQ just entered correction territory, meaning the, the, the index is down 10% from the peak. But since the markets have done extraordinarily well, there's this invisible wealth effect. And what that means is everybody feels a little bit richer because everybody's portfolios are going up in value or have been until recently. And as a result, people spend more money, which helps the economy. It's self-fulfilling. And the reason why inflation is quite high lately uh, is because governments are worried about the next uh, edition or I should say mutation of, of COVID. 
um, if they were comfortable with the outlook uh, from a, a COVID data analysis perspective, they would have raised rates quite a bit already. And so if they raise rates too early and we get another COVID scare, uh, then what happens is you can't do anything to stimulate the economy, right? Because a little rate increase can destroy the economy. It's frightening, actually. So that's why inflation is quite high now. And, and you see it in all industry subsectors, like uh, semiconductors, you can't find them. They're tough to find. Try buying a Tesla. Tesla has a lot of chips in them. You can't. It takes you four or five months. In fact, if you want to make money, what you can do is this. And this is a great idea, actually, my, my son, Dylan. He said, Dad, since people are buying a Tesla for ten or $20,000 more than what the cost is brand new, why don't you just tell people to order Teslas, you put $100 down or 200 in some countries, and a couple months later when it arrives, you can either sell it for $10,000 more or buy it yourself, which I don't know if I do, or you lose 100 to $200, right? So you can play that game from a, a supply perspective. So we've talked about uh, the economy. Let's now talk about the markets. So the stock market does extraordinarily well usually when rates are low. And rates have been artificially low for the past couple of years. Um, now, inflation is starting to get a little bit out of hand, okay? Um, to the extent that what's happening is the market is predicting that rates are going to go up. And when rates increase, this is terrible for the stock market because if hypothetically, let's assume for, for pretend reasons here, that the interest rate is now 20%. So that's what it was actually in the early 80s almost because inflation was brutal. And so in the early 1980s, the stock market did terrible, real estate markets did terrible, and everybody just put their money in the banks. Makes sense because you can make 20% interest with basically no risk. So right now people are focusing on rates potentially rising and the Federal Reserve, which is the government body in the United States that decides when to raise interest rates, at their FOMC meetings, Federal Open Market Committee meetings, they've been hinting, and you can read through this in the minutes that they supply, that they're getting a little bit more worried about inflation. So how do you know this is true? How can you track what the market is thinking inflation is going to be? And what I'm about to show you is crucial um, for anybody that wants to buy a house or anybody that wants to invest in stocks or any asset class, really. So what you can do, and let's go there together. Give me one second. Let's go to treasury.gov. Okay, so that's the United States government website to find out what rates are going to be. Here it is here. And we go here to data. And then we click here on what's called the yield curve. Now, the yield curve tells us what rates are going to be and what the market is pricing in for rates. And so here we see dates and here we see, uh, uh, we see the uh, uh, time, okay? Meaning uh, percent interest rates here. So right now it's the 19th. Actually, today's the 20th, this is from yesterday. And the market is pricing in 0.05% uh, interest uh, on an annualized basis right now. Um, now that's that's for one month uh, one month treasuries that's annualized that's basically zero percent return take that amount divided by twelve for twelve months and the market's been talking a lot about this so over the past couple of days up until today over the past couple of days the ten year treasury meaning the interest rate on ten year government securities went up to a two year high to one point eight seven and the thirty year now is around two point one four right here 
Now, in normalized economic times, and I'll pick any year. Let me see if I can grab any random year. Let's go there. Go. And 01 was a tough time, I remember. 9-11 and, and the economy. Um, uh, internet bubble 1.0 burst in March of 2000. But right here, we see the 30-year was 5.35%. So it was more expensive then to buy a house. So right now, the 30-year is just over 2%. So what does this mean? How does this impact your life? Well, if I go here to, to Google, and I'll just do a search on a, on a yield curve. We'll get an old one from 2013. 2018, actually. Yield curve. I'll show you here. And this impacts everything you're trying to do. Uh, when it when it comes to uh, getting a loan, invest in the markets, etc. Okay, so this here is from 2018. This is just a sample, and this is from a couple of years ago. And you can see here that rates, short-term rates, one-month rates were like 1.6 percent, and the 30-year rate was 3.2 percent or so. Today, the 30-year uh, rate is just over 2 percent. And so, what happens is investors and banks look at this closely. Because the lowest risk uh, investment in the world, according to the market, uh, the risk-free investment is U.S. government debt or treasuries. And so if IBM, for example, wants to issue debt, they want to sell bonds, they look at the, the yield curve and they price their debt up higher here. You see right here? And they do it higher because IBM is more risky. It's a low-risk investment. It's more risky than the U.S. government. And then for us, if you and I want to get a mortgage, the banks, they'll price mortgages up here as well because we are more risky uh, than the U.S. government uh, from a debt perspective. And that's why the market looks at interest rates really, really closely. Now, if, if you want to uh, 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 finance something very risky like Las Vegas, the way Las Vegas was financed was partially by the mafia many years ago. Watch the Godfather movies if you want more details on that. Uh, but also it was financed by junk bonds. And junk bonds, or they call them high-yield bonds now, is a politically correct term, are basically bonds using this yield curve, but way, way up here because they're risky. Because, you know, investing in hotels in the middle of the desert is kind of a risky investment. So that kind of summarizes uh, the economy. And for, so from a market perspective, people watch interest rates closely, closely. And when rates spike, um, then all uh, speculative asset classes like NFTs, um, some real estate markets and stocks and cryptocurrencies will get hit, maybe with the exception of Bitcoin, which could be seen as digital gold. So you always have to look at interest rates closely when you invest uh, in the markets. And there's a reason why in the early 1980s, when rates were close to 20%, that the markets did poorly and the real estate market did poorly as well and all markets in general. Okay. Get a little bit of water here. All right. All right. Let's do this. Great question. Thank you. But you can't time the markets. Otherwise, as Nicholas Taleb says, you'll be fooled by randomness because every month has 20 weekdays, meaning 20 trading days when the markets open. And the reason stocks go up or down in the near term is mainly because of geopolitical events that you and I just can't forecast. It might be saber rattling or discussions of, of trade wars between uh, D.C. and Beijing or it could be a disagreement in the price of oil uh, between uh, those that, that, that run Saudi Aramco or those in Riyadh uh, and Moscow, for example. Or, or stocks might go up and down because certain companies report earnings that are better, worse than expected. So you can't predict these things. And that's why I always recommend being a long-term investor. Yeah. So I got this new desk here. It's eight feet wide. 
And this is where I keep all my props. And it's actually really messy on the floor. And, and I, people told me they want me to put the, the background in blue, so I did that as well. Yeah. All right. And I got it because I have, I have tons of props in, in my courses and, and all that stuff as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Majed wrote, uh, because there is occasionally a significant disparity between uh, these two, meaning the economy and the markets, doesn't this imply that in the short term, the market is all about sentiment and has nothing to do with the big picture? No, I, I would say that the, the market always tries to discount um, what's going to happen uh, in the economy in the future. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting because uh, when, there, when there's a war and people are expecting a war to occur, uh, the markets usually pull back. And the second the first bomb drops, um, it's a terrible, terrible thing to say, but the second the first bomb drops, um, what happens is the market tends to rally because it's all priced in. And so the market tries to discount what's going to happen in the future. And that's why when we analyze companies uh, in my MBA degree program, what we do is we value companies by looking at cash flow and earnings from the future and we discount it into today's terms using an interest rate based on the U.S. Treasury, I just showed you a second ago, as well as other factors. And that's called the weighted average cost of capital. And that's how they use discounting on Wall Street to value companies. All right. Uh, next up, Hisham, how are you? Uh, Hisham was one of my wonderful students from San Francisco State uh, in 2016. Uh, great guy. He sat front row right. Uh, and I hired him. He worked with me for a while. Uh, he now works at Amazon. Great guy. Uh, so Hisham wrote, Hisham wrote uh, uh, good morning, Chris. Uh, hope all is well. And your year is off to a great start. Likewise, brother. Uh, congrats on the inaugural uh, MBA graduation. Thank you. You wrote, uh, I watched the, the ceremony and as always, it was quite inspiring. Thank you. I appreciate that. We, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So I, I did my first, um, so we're doing our, our third uh, one-year MBA degree program uh, starting this year. We, we have 200 students now, biggest class ever. Uh, we've had over a thousand people in the program. It's been great. And for the first time last year, what I did December 18th, was I had an in-person graduation. I rented a, a museum out here. And if anybody wants to watch the graduation, and if you're in my, my MBA program, you don't actually have to graduate to come to this annual event. But if you want more details uh, on the, 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 uh, the alumni event, what you can do is go to my website slash alumni, all lowercase, haroonventures.com slash alumni. And you can watch here the, the, the graduating class of, uh, of 2020. So don't worry. 21. And that's me giving my speech up on the stage. And I'm wearing a Marty McFly jacket because I always mention Back to the Future in my speeches. It's like an Easter egg thing. All right. Uh, and then Hisham wrote, I was wondering if there are any trends that you are watching closely this year, uh, whether it's in finance or geopolitics. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at metaverse trends pretty closely. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard for us to understand what companies are going to do extraordinarily well. A lot of chip companies will do well. This is Intel, but Nvidia will do well in the long run because they make graphics chips. Um, people think that Facebook, uh, is, is a, a meta play. Um, I don't really know if it is yet. We'll, we'll see. I know they rebranded themselves as meta, but there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, so I, I look at uh, the metaverse closely. And Adobe is probably a great metaverse play as well because you're gonna need software uh, as well. And what I'm gonna be doing is I'm gonna be transitioning my entire MBA program in the long run to a metaverse platform so that uh, all my many students from every country in the world, uh, they can bond with each other 
using uh, VR or AR goggles. And it's probably going to be some rendition of those cardboard cheap goggles you've seen. Uh, I'm working on it. Don't really know what I'm doing, but I'll make it happen. Yeah, it should be fun. And the best investments are usually platforms, right? So if you own the road, you charge the cars. And so Facebook is the quintessential social media platform. They don't make any social media content. They own the road. The same thing with Airbnb. You know, it's, it's the best hotel platform. They don't own any hotels, but they own the platform and they charge the cars. Apple's the same thing with iOS, Google with Android, uh, et cetera. LinkedIn with social media uh, from a business perspective. And so my favorite investments, my favorite investments in the metaverse will be platform plays. And I don't know yet what the platform is going to be but I'm looking for it closely, looking for it closely. You always want to invest in platforms um, because those are the most scalable business models. And in the third semester of my MBA program, and you can start the on-demand version of the MBA today if you want to go to haroonventures.com. But in the third semester of my MBA program, I have a venture capital boot camp. And what I do is I teach you how to start a company from scratch without using any money at all. And I teach you how to raise money as well. And so I've humbly raised and managed uh, over a billion dollars in my career. I teach all my students how to raise money as well as how to sell themselves. And the best way to raise money or to get a job is to network. If you see a job opening online, don't just send in your resume because the chances of you getting a job that way are one out of 250. That's an actual statistic, it's true. And so the person that gets the job is usually somebody that knows someone at the company. So how do you get that job? Well, what you can do is you can network aggressively. And I have a book to teach you how to do that. All you do is you go to haroonventures.com and then you scroll down here and just sign up for this book here. And I added a CAPTCHA to it yesterday uh, because I did get spam bots uh, hitting my email database. Yeah, so check it out. Um, I have all my tips and tricks here in this book on how to get a job, um, how to network, how to raise capital, etc. Um, and uh, within this book, which is a couple hundred pages, there are tons of links to hours and hours of YouTube videos as well to help you. Yeah. Remember that your network is your net worth and that relationships are always more important than product knowledge. All right, let me get a little bit of water here. All right, uh, next, next question. I realize how important it is to be illiterate uh, in coding languages, uh, in this ongoing fourth industrial revolution. I love that. Is Angela Yu's Udemy courses still the best course to find, to learn about coding? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm getting into coding as well. And I'm going to be releasing a course later this year on programming. You'll see. And so I was a developer um, uh, back in the, in the 90s. Uh, I worked at Accenture for four years, from 1994 to 1998. Uh, I love coding. I've done a lot in the background before as well. Haven't really put it in my courses, but I'm, I'm going to make that jump now because it's fun. But take Angela's courses on programming, not mine. Okay, let, let me show you Angela's courses. She's great. She's great. All right. So if you want to learn coding, um, the go-to resource is Angela Yu. Okay, go to Udemy's website. And I don't get any brownie points for mentioning Udemy. Udemy, it's an algorithm. If my courses suck, many of them do, they won't sell. All right, so right here we've got uh, Angela. And I met Angela, actually, um, she's wonderful. Uh, I met her, met her in Berlin um, in 2019 at a Udemy event. She's, a, she's unbelievable. So she actually, um, she's a doctor uh, from the United Kingdom. 
Uh, she has a British accent, which means she speaks gooder than me, which means she's a great teacher. Uh, and she just found out that she loves to code instead and teach it. And she's amazing. Uh, and so nobody has courses with this rate, these ratings. It's ridiculously high. It's unbelievable. Um, but it doesn't matter um, if you understand coding or not. If you're fresh, brand new, have never coded before in your life, you can take her courses. Again, I don't get any kickbacks here. Uh, I just want to humbly help. You can take her courses from scratch. So you can learn how to create websites, advanced websites as well. You can learn how, how to code for iOS or, or, or an Android device. Um, she's got Python. She's got everything here. So check out her courses. They're wonderful. Um, I, I recommend anybody that wants to learn how to code from scratch do her courses. I don't care how old you are. Um, now, I'm going to be turning 50 on February 2nd. It's coming up soon. Um, and uh, I, I want to say that um, the average age of somebody starting a company uh, in the United States now is 52. And the life expectancy now, today, is 26 years longer than it was in the 1950s. So I'm not turning 50, folks. I'm turning 24. And so you're all 26 years younger than you think you are. Yeah. Wow, man, 50. I can't believe it. I still have the maturity of, of, of my kids. They're a bit older now, of course. Um, yeah. Surreal. Surreal. All right. I'm just getting started, though. All right. Uh, uh, next up, Azorlina wrote, good morning, Chris. Uh, uh, you're from uh, Ontario. Excellent. Uh, lots of love. I'm a 905er. That was my area code in Mississauga, just outside of Toronto. My son, Andrew, wants to go to University of Toronto uh, because Drake, he lives in the States. My, my son, Andrew, he was born in New York. He lives in California. He wants to go to U of T because he, he said, Dad, Drake, Drake is making Toronto cool. Yeah. Toronto's always been cool. Uh, and so Zoralina from uh, Ontario uh, wrote, my question today is about dividends. Let's say a stock's yield is 5% monthly dividends. Yeah, I've, I've never heard of one that high unless the company's going out of business. And then you wrote here, the same stock goes down by 50%. What happened with the dividend payment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a 5% monthly dividend uh, would mean a, a 60% uh, annual dividend, um, which, which never happens. And if you see a dividend yield that high, I promise you in 99.9% .9 of the time, there are financial issues like the companies might be going belly up or declaring chapter 11, and they shouldn't have a high dividend yield to begin with. Uh, and so uh, when a stock goes down and it has a dividend yield, what happens is the dividend yield goes up. Okay, so um, let's say that uh, a company has a 5% dividend and the stock price is 100 bucks, right? So $5 dividend, that's a 5% dividend on 100 bucks. If the stock gets cut in half and the dividend stays at 5% or at $5, then that's now a 10% dividend yield. Yeah. Now, sometimes companies will issue special one-time dividends like Microsoft did uh, in the fall of 2003, I think it was. Yeah. They issued a one-time massive dividend. And what happened was the stock ran up into that and then dropped the next day because that was priced in. And so sometimes companies that have higher dividends you'll see a noticeable pullback in the stock the day after they issue the dividend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Daniel wrote, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Daniel. Uh, what is your advice for approaching a venture capital company with multiple team members? Is it better to communicate with uh, the founder or contact uh, one or more team members? Yeah, yeah. So, I would say when you approach a venture capital firm, 
um, you got to find out if you have some sort of personal connection to them. And so what you can do is do an advanced search in LinkedIn and find people that work at venture capital firms that have something in common with you. Maybe they went to the same high school or undergraduate school as you. Maybe they're from the same hometown. And then you drop them a line, a LinkedIn email, and you say exactly this. And you can learn more about this, by the way, uh, by going to my website uh, and downloading my, um, uh, this book here. Okay, this teaches you how to network and get meetings with VCs as well. And so what you do is in this email, you say hi in the subject line, that's it. That's all you need because everybody in this call, you've opened every email you've ever received, but you certainly have not opened every single um, uh, email you've ever received. Emails work. So in the email, you just put hi in the subject line and then you keep it short. You say something like this. John, hope all is well. I'm also from Mississauga and I also went to McGill University and I also live here in the Bay Area. Please let me know if you have time for a quick Zoom call or a coffee in normalized non-COVID times. Thanks, Chris. That's it. That works, folks. And I'm humbled to say that my success rate in getting meetings with people I've never met before, leveraging LinkedIn and this methodology, has always been 95%. It works, I promise you. You find a hook, something in common, uh, and then you set up the call with them. If you say why you want to meet, they're probably not going to answer. And for more tips and tricks, go to my website, haroonventures.com, scroll down and download this networking book. I promise you this works. It works, yeah. And in my MBA program, I teach you about this in a lot more detail. Uh, and um, I, I've actually got a student of mine who, he's from India. Uh, he inspires me a lot. His name is Akhil. Um, and he did exactly what I just mentioned to you. And he's based in India, Hyperbat, I think. And he got a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Sequoia, which is the number one venture capital firm in the world. And if you're curious how he did it, what you can do is you can go and reach out to uh, Akhil uh, if you want to. He's great. Um, he does a lot of consulting services as well for, for, um, for, for, for startups. So Akhil right here. Great guy. Akhil, if you're on the call, I, I miss you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. So here he is here. He got that one-on-one -on -one meeting uh, with, uh, with Sequoia. All right. Uh, and then in your slides, what you can do is you can actually have a list of your entire management team as well. Um, and, and I explain that in more detail uh, in the venture capital portion, uh, bootcamp portion of the MBA program in the third semester. You can start it today, the silver version. Just go to my website for more details. Thanks. All right. I can't believe I'm turning 50. It's amazing, man. Jeez Louise. All right, uh, next up we got uh, Arturo, uh, who wrote uh, two questions, Chris. Number one, to open an investment account, what should I look for in a brokerage firm? I wanna start an online business also. Yeah, let me, let me answer the first question, okay. So in order to open a brokerage account, uh, what you do is this, this works in all countries. Uh, do a search for the five largest banks in your country, and then call every one of them, all five, and ask them, do you have a brokerage service affiliated with your bank? Uh, and if so, call all five of those and the ones with the lowest fees, that's where you should trade. And fees, it's a race to zero. A, a lot of firms like Robinhood, for example, which is not affiliated with a big bank, their fees are zero. Same thing with Fidelity, it's a race to zero. So you should not be paying commissions when you invest in stocks. Next question is, uh, if I wanna start an online business, do I have to write a detailed plan or just start the business and go? Always please, please write a plan because failing to plan is planning to fail. 
And most people don't write a business plan before they start a company. And it's deadly because it's one of the most important decisions you'll make uh, in your life. Uh, and, and what happens is if you don't plan accordingly, it can destroy your personal life, your health, your wealth, of course, and much, much more. And so write a thorough business plan first. In my uh, MBA degree program, I actually teach you how to write a business plan from scratch as well. Um, and I've, I've helped many companies get founded. I've been on plenty of boards. I worked in venture capital. Um, I've written many, many business plans too. And the way you know you have a great business is if you finish the business plan. I know it's a weird thing to say, but hear me out. So if you start writing a business plan, I give you all the tools and arrows in your quiver in my MBA program for this. If you start writing a business plan and you realize after writing two pages of the 150 page business plan that I provide you with the template, after two pages of writing it, you realize, oh my God, this is not a good business. I mean, the, the size of the market I'm trying to address is tiny or whatever other reasons you realize it's not a good business. Then you stop writing it, of course. And so again, the measure of a great business model is if you finish the business plan. Same thing with stocks as well. Please don't invest in stocks without doing a write-up first. Uh, and you gotta read all the filings as well. This is a Facebook IPO filing from 2012. We do a case study on this uh, in my MBA program. And I invested in Facebook in my venture capital firm when it was private and then when it was public. So everything I teach you based on due diligence is based on my work experience at Goldman Sachs in the hedge fund industry, venture capital, et cetera. And so before investing in a company, do a write-up. And I provide you with tools for that as well. And after you do that write-up, if you still feel great about investing in the company, then invest. And let's say a year or two goes by and the stock is falling and you're like, oh my God, I want to sell. Well, what you do is you go back to that one pager you wrote on that stock from one or two years ago and you look at it and you read it. And what you can do is you can ask yourself this. Okay, the stock is down a lot right now because of reason X. Had I known about reason X when I made this one page report on the company two years ago, had I known about that risk X, would I have still bought the stock? If the answer is no, sell it. If the answer is yes, buy more. Because market psychology dictates what a lot of people do and it's deadly. The whole FOMO movement, fear of missing out. And so Warren Buffett once said, the New York Stock Exchange is the only store in the world where consumers sell stuff when it goes on sale. So always do your own research. Don't rely on me or anybody to tell you what stocks to buy. I humbly teach you how to fish instead of providing you with, with, with a fish. If you rely on other people for stock tips, then you'll lose confidence and you'll sell at the worst time, which most investors do. The bottom line is be a contrarian and watch your net worth take off. All right, uh, next up, Myron, how are you? Uh, Myron uh, graduated from the Platinum Program, my MBA program last year. She's wonderful. She's originally from Kenya. We're building our next school uh, in Kenya after Rwanda. Um, and, and she also lives in the United Kingdom now and she's starting an incredible company. And with her permission, I'm gonna share with you what her business model is. We've been working on it uh, over the past year. It's dope, it's great. Great to see you. Uh, Myron wrote, happy new year and good to be here. Uh, hope you and yours are well, likewise, likewise. Uh, and big hug to your, your dad, Samson, as well. All right, uh, next up, uh, Jagdish wrote, uh, good evening, I'm from India, good to see you. Uh, my second biggest market is now India. 11% uh, of my students are from India, yeah. And on my birthday, my, my wife, Christine, what she's doing is she's taking me out for, for Indian food uh, at, at my favorite local Indian restaurant. 
and I'm gonna order what's called the, they call it the Bollywood dosa. It's the best dish ever. For those of you who have gone to Indian restaurants, if you haven't eaten dosa, you haven't lived yet. It's amazing, yeah. Good morning to you as well, good to see you. All right, next up, Zishan said, hello, Chris, with a big heart. Thank you, lots of love. Um, and then he wrote here, even my family uh, knows uh, that Wednesday night, I'm busy with your, with your webcast. Thank you, thank you, appreciate it. Big hug to your family as well. Uh, moving on to Dinesh. Uh, Dinesh wrote, uh, hello, Chris. Uh, how are you doing? I'm always great. Thanks. I hope you're doing well. Um, it's great to be back on the webcast after a long time. Uh, the past few weeks have been really busy. It's great to have you. Welcome back. All right. Uh, and I did this blue background. It's make, making my hair look kind of weird, man. I don't know. But people are telling me that the gray background just didn't work for them. Yeah. And, and about a year ago, what I did was I got rid of my chair in my office because I got two complaints that I sounded tired. So one data point doesn't make a trend, but a couple does. Yeah, I'm not tired. All right. All right, next up, uh, Charlene wrote, uh, what type of assets would you invest in during times uh, of inflation? Yeah, so my go-to investment uh, usually uh, is TIPS. Uh, and TIPS stands for Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. And what that is, is that's U.S. government debt, meaning it's relatively low risk. U.S. government debt, where the return is low because we know interest rates are low. But if inflation is 6%, then TIPS will go up the interest rate on, on that, that, uh, the bond, the TIP, plus 6%. So do a search on Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Uh, always read the Investment Offering Memorandum for any investment before you invest as, as well. All right. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Dinesh wrote, uh, what metaverse, pardon me, with metaverse on the rise, what do you think will happen to regular mobile apps uh, and games? Uh, will they go uh, on a decline? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, because I, I think what's going to happen is uh, they'll actually, au contraire, they'll do quite well because I think a lot of people are gonna use those cheap cardboard products uh, with their iPhones, you've seen them, or Android handsets. Um, and, and even Nintendo has done it with, with their Switch. They got Nintendo Labo products, pretty cool, cardboard based. And you'll be able to play games this way as well. So I think it's actually gonna, gonna help them, yeah. Uh, next question is also regarding the metaverse. What do you think about investors buying a virtual land? Yeah, it, it's a tough concept to understand. I explained to my students the other day um, that Airbnb is getting into this uh, and I believe in the market and here's why. So what I teach, I teach here from my studio. But one day, my entire MBA program is gonna be metaverse based. I'm gonna port it somehow. I don't know what I'm doing right now, but I'll, I'll figure it out somehow because it's gonna be the quintessential platform. And so, what you can do is this. Let's say I'm teaching all my students now, all of you, and you have these metaverse goggles on or Apple device, according to their patents. But what you can do is this, I, I can say this. Okay, let's out now, students, let's all now go uh, into uh, this office room here. It's beautiful, we have a view of Central Park. And I'll, I'll talk to them a different setting, a breathtaking view. Uh, and, and in the metaverse, in the long run, it won't look cartoonish, it'll look real. And so I would rent that uh, conference room, virtual conference room, okay, from Airbnb, for example. Airbnb is getting into the metaverse. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's a virtual real estate property, 
Yeah. Uh, and there's going to be copyrights as well applied to that. Uh, so, for example, um, if I wanted to go and sit down in Yankee Stadium and watch a game, right, virtually, well, that's owned by the New York Yankees. And so that's their virtual property as well. And so every major location in the world is going to have virtual property online, you know, like, like the Louvre in France. You know, instead of going to the museum, I can actually virtually go to it and walk through it. And eventually it'll, it'll be almost like I'm there. And so every major piece of property in the world, um, from a commercial perspective, will have a virtual version as well. Just like every person in the world will have their own avatar. And many of us do already when we play video games. All right, Manas, how are you? Uh, Manas is one of my wonderful students from India. He wrote a book uh, called Bonds Before Business. Uh, and he has a bunch of Udemy courses. Good to see you. Manas said, uh, good morning, my, my dear mentor, Chris, please. Uh, what a beautiful background. Thank you. Uh, loving it. Uh, hope all is well. Um, uh, your MBA graduation touched my heart. Thank you. Uh, the most real and genuine presentation of all time. Uh, you were awesome. Th thank you so much. God, God bless you. My, my students inspire me so much. Yeah, we, we had fun. We had fun. Yeah. And every year I'm going to do that in-person uh, event. It's not just an in-person graduation, but it's also an in-person networking event for people that haven't graduated. Yeah. Or people that have graduated. Yeah. And for those of you that, uh, that, that have graduated already, um, what you can do is you can, you can request to be in the LinkedIn alumni network uh, on, uh, for Haroon Education Ventures, which I personally manage, yeah. All right, uh, and then uh, next up, Zishan wrote, uh, Chris, since the stock market's at an all-time high, except for the NASDAQ, uh, also the VIX is quite low, which securities are worth investing in at, at this time? Yeah, I will, I'll never tell my students what stocks to buy ever. I'll always provide you with tools and teach you how to fish. Uh, and I say it with love in my heart. Because if you rely on anybody for investment advice, then you'll end up selling at the worst time. Yeah. Now, in terms of the VIX, what you're referring to. So the VIX is a volatility index. And what I'm about to show you is, without a doubt, and I put my reputation on the line here, the best indicator of when to buy stocks in size, no matter what. Okay. So what I'm going to teach you is important, I think, humbly. All right, so if we go together to finance.yahoo.com, that's me buying time as it's slowly loading. Here we go, good. Um, stream, stream setting is good though. Okay, so if we go here to Yahoo Finance, uh, we type in this, we go VIX, V-I-X, okay? And you have to put accent sur complex at the beginning, right here, right? So you just choose here. And this here is a Chicago Board of Exchange Volatility Index. Okay. And what this means, it's chilly in here. What this means is fear in the index. And, and I, I teach a lot about options. I have a, a complete options course, which is also in my MBA program in the fourth semester. So what this is, um, and this will tell you exactly when to buy stocks. Okay, with, with, it works, I promise you. But let me, let me explain what this chart means. And let's talk about this picture in more detail because every chart tells a story. So right here, the VIX was launched. Okay, it was launched by the Chicago Board of Exchange, which is an options-based market. Uh, in Chicago, of course. It was launched here in 1990. And what this measures, this measures how volatile people think the stocks in the S&P 500 index are going to be in the next 30 days. And the way that they this is measured is using options. And so high volatility means fear, right? So when, when the market's very volatile, uh, people are fearful and the market usually crashes or it's low or, or it goes down a lot. 
So right here, the VIX was, was launched and it was launched at a reading of 20. Then it spiked here uh, to about 30 um, uh, around December of 1990 when Gulf War I started. Then it pulled back. Uh, we had the roaring 90s. It was, the economy was amazing in the 90s. Uh, as Alan Greenspan said, we had irrational exuberance. Then right here in 1998, here, yeah, uh, it spiked. And it spiked to 43 because of the, uh, there was the Asian financial crisis. And I worked on the Goldman Sachs trading floor that day. I'll never forget that day when, when Alan Greenspan, uh, it was a surprise, he cut rates. And all the traders jumped up and went crazy. They were, they were trying to trade as fast as they could, whatever. Um, so that was there. Then it pulled back. Uh, market was doing quite well here. Um, and then here we had, uh, we, we had 9-11 around here. Yeah. So 9-11, there's a lot of fear, obviously, um, in the markets. Uh, and so the VIX spiked again, which means the markets went down. These are, yeah. But the best time to buy is when the VIX goes to an all-time high. And I'll get to that in a second. Okay. So the markets were doing quite well here, yada, yada. You had a rookie Fed, Fed chairman uh, cut rates. That's why the market was a little bit volatile for a while. Ben Bernanke was the Fed chairman. I remember that. Um, he cut rates unexpectedly in the summer of 2006. Then right here, we had 2008. Okay. Now, in 2008, we were within 24 hours of bank machines not working. It was terrifying. And towards the end of 2008, the VIX spiked to an all-time high. And no matter what... I promise you, it's going to feel like the world is ending when the VIX is above 70 or above 80. But no matter what happens, you have to buy stocks. Why? Because the fear level means the VIX is high and everyone's freaking out. And you got to be a contrarian. So let's fast forward now to 2020. And you can't see it here, but intraday in March uh, of 2020, uh, the VIX spiked to an all-time high above 80. And of course, that's when the market bottomed as well. And so the next time you see the VIX spike to a level above 70 or 80, and again, intraday here, it did go above 80, it's going to feel like the world is ending. And you're going to ask yourself, Chris told me to buy stocks, but he's crazy. I can't. You have to. Because that means maximum fear. And so am I a net buyer of, buyer of stocks right now? No way. I like to buy when people are freaking out, when there's blood in the streets. So um, that's, that's the, what the VIX represents. And to learn more uh, about the VIX, uh, what you can do is sign up for my MBA program or check out my, my options course as well. I talk about that and many other tips and tricks uh, in order to embrace volatility uh, to be able to profit or protect your capital. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Abel uh, wrote, uh, hey, Chris, I hope all is well. Likewise, I'm a BB. I'm a BSBA finance student at uh, UNLV University of Las Vegas. I hope you like, like my junk bonds comment earlier about Las Vegas. What kind of new skills uh, do you suggest for me that I, that can help me increase my opportunity in the finance industry? Yeah, yeah. So a, a couple of things. Um, I got a D in accounting the first time I took it at McGill University. I thought my life was over. I got a D because I was memorizing. I wasn't understanding. So I want you to understand and enjoy finance and accounting, like a good book. And I have plenty of courses that will teach you that as well as my, my MBA degree program. But the most important thing when it comes to getting a job in finance is not knowledge of finance. Most people that work in the finance industry work in sales. And so you have to learn how to sell yourself and how to network aggressively. And I promise you, I promise you, if you apply what I'm about to show you, you will get the job of your dreams. Guaranteed. 
all you do, go to my website, haroonventures.com and download this book. I promise you it helps you. I've used the contents of this book to raise and manage over a billion dollars. It helps tremendously because your network is your net worth and relationships are always more important uh, than product knowledge. And a big rookie mistake in business is you go to a meeting, a first meeting with somebody and you jump into business, you talk about business. You, you can't do that. You have to bond. You gotta spend 10 minutes at the beginning of the meeting bonding. And if they're a senior person, after 10 minutes or so, they, they will very gently guide the conversation somewhere else. But you have to bond. So how do you bond with people in business? Well, before any meeting you have, what I want you to do is I want you to go to the Twitter profile of the person you're gonna be meeting with. And I want you to look to see who they follow. If they follow athletes and a sport you're passionate about, you know what to talk about in the first 10 minutes of that meeting. If they follow Hollywood actors or certain people, whatever, that you're passionate about as well, you can talk about that as well. And before that meeting, that day, of course, you read the newspaper thoroughly, just in case there's any news releases or, or stories on the company you're meeting with, or just in case there's a big event that you, know, you might want to talk about uh, in that meeting with them. And so what I would do for you is reach out to UNLV graduates uh, and set up informational meetings with them. I promise you it works. Uh, and then Jagdish wrote, uh, I'm a school teacher from India. Awesome. And I actually, um, uh, a university I used to teach at during the evenings called the Halt International School of Business. They flew me to, um, uh, to Mumbai uh, and Delhi in 2016 to teach there for a while. I loved it. It was fun. Next up, Manas wrote, um, uh, my mentor, Chris, please. Uh, I've said your, your crypto course is too awesome. And I'll keep saying it over and over again. Thank you. I'm humbled to hear that. Thank you. Uh, and then you wrote, it's something that is not made regularly. Uh, uh, it's a once in a decade course. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, I had so much fun making that course. Uh, I worked so hard in that course and I hired this guy to proofread everything. And he was so good. And this is, this is a crazy story. But after I published the course, I got a knock on my door and it was the NSA. I was kind of scared. I was like, well, I don't do anything wrong. Why, why are you here? And he was doing a background check on this guy that I hired. And I think the NSA was going to hire that guy as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Harsh wrote, Chris, please make a course on trading, please. Yeah. So I, in my MBA program, I talk a lot about that. Yeah. Um, so check out my MBA program. I teach you about fundamental investing, right? F, valuation-based investing, and then technicals-based investing. So whenever you invest, you look at FVT, fundamentals, valuation, and then a distant third is technicals. Yeah. But I do cover that in a lot of detail in my MBA program. Yeah. All right. Next up, Aditi, I wrote, uh, today I booked a loss in the stock market. Sorry to hear that. And I'm feeling demotivated, thinking that uh, I will not be as successful in the future. Please help. Uh, what, what should I do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't let one trade get into your head. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I turn it into a, a positive thing by thinking about what did you learn from that experience? Um, and maybe going forward, you can write a detailed a report on a company before you invest. And I provide you with all the templates you need uh, in my MBA program. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's just, it's just one trade. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Never use margin, people, though. Never use margin or leverage, especially when, when you invest in options, please. Okay. Uh, Harsh wrote, are all kids of rich people spoiled and have no dreams? Uh, have you seen some, some good ones? Yeah, I, um, 
I would say that you can raise your kids the right way. Like if, if somebody has a lot of money, you still don't have to spoil them. You can still make them do a ton of charity work and make them appreciate uh, what they have. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wouldn't say all people, uh, but um, a lot are, yeah. But what, what, what really bothers me uh, is entitlement to the extent that, um, you know, people will go to great universities uh, and they'll, they'll donate a lot of money which basically is a bribe to get their kids into that school. It always bothers me that extraordinarily wealthy people or successful people, their kids go to these great schools. It, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, like, like JFK Jr., God bless him. I was a fan of him. But would he really have gone to Brown University if he wasn't a Kennedy? So I, I, I believe that uh, application should all be, you know, test score based. Uh, as well as you, you can write an essay if you want to, but it's, you should not get in because your family's name. In fact, I, you should probably change your name or have a, a, a different avatar or the admissions committee when they read your applications should not be able to see your name. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think universities are in secular decline as well. I think in my life, by the time I, I pass away 8 million years from now, um, there's only be 50 universities left. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Manas wrote, uh, uh, I'm enjoying my job, uh, as, as I've said last week. It's all because of your LinkedIn course. Thank you. Which is awesome, uh, but less awesome than you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. That, that makes, makes me happy to know that I'm helping somebody. Yeah. And, and if you could all have a job or a profession where you're serving other people, um, it, it, it's so much fun. It's, it's not a job. It's a passion. Yeah. And I'm here to serve you and help my students humbly. All right. Uh, next up, Zishan wrote, uh, Chris, this month I've read three books. Nice. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Awesome. Uh, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and Fooled by Ramness. Awesome. Awesome. Fooled by Ramness is written by uh, uh, Nassim Taleb, um, who's uh, Lebanese. I'm part Lebanese as well. Um, and it's it's hard. It's hard. Like when I read it in 2003, uh, when I worked in the hedge fund industry, I had to actually carry a dictionary around with me. Uh, Malik wrote, thanks, Chris, for your, your commitment to helping uh, us educated and informed. My pleasure. Uh, thank you for your commitment to be here as well. Thank you. All right. Uh, uh, moving on to Manas, who wrote, uh, India is issuing crypto ETFs. Why do you think it's important for us? What impact can ETFs have uh, in the crypto space? Okay, cool. So big Indian banks are issuing ETFs. Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of ETFs. Um, I don't think anybody should buy mutual funds. I think they're an absolute scam because mutual funds underperform ETFs and mutual funds have a ton of hidden fees and mutual fund managers chase performance by buying and selling stocks quite rapidly towards the end of every year. And if you book a profit in something in less than one year, then governments in almost every country charge you more in taxes. If you hold something for more than a year and then you sell it and you make money, you pay less in tax, less in capital gains taxes. And that's because governments want you to be long-term focused and governments hate volatility and fear. It, it leads to unrest. So I would definitely check out ETFs instead of looking at mutual funds. Now, the best place to learn about ETFs is as follows. Uh, and I'll talk, I'll talk about crypto ETFs in a second too. So you go to uh, this website, etfdb.com, which stands for uh, Exchange Traded Fund ETF uh, uh, Database. And you can do a screener. You could also look at by geography. So if we look here, um, you can look at Brazilian-based ETFs. Let me go here to Brazil. There's 275 different ETFs you can invest in in Brazil. 
So you can type these tickers here, knowing that's scrolling, to learn more about each one of these ETFs. The best place to learn about ETFs, though, once you have the ticker from that website, is you go to Yahoo Finance. So if you type in EWZ, which is the ETF uh, for Brazil, you can invest in Brazilian stocks. Now, whenever you do this, what you have to do the first thing is, number one, you look at liquidity. You look at the volume, meaning does it trade enough so you can get in and out need be if you need to sell for whatever reason quickly? So yes, it does. This trades 26 million shares per day times 30 bucks. So it's, it's really, really liquid. Yeah. Next you do is you go to the profile to find out what the annual expense is. And so we see right here, the annual expense ratio is 0.59%. And that's pretty low. Usually they're well below 0.5% for ETFs, but that's, that's okay. And so uh, that's a new thing. These ads pushing us down here. It's annoying. Um, and so what that means is for every $100 you invest uh, in that ETF, you pay 59 pennies per year in fees. Not bad. Now, in terms of what's in this ETF, you go here to holdings and the Brazilian economy is very natural resources rich, hence basic materials uh, as well as energy here because of the Petrobras. And if you scroll down, you can see the largest holdings here. There's Petrobras right, right there. Now, the, one of the reasons I love uh, ETFs uh, is because the fees are lower. Also, the investment managers managing the ETF, they don't buy and sell the shares quickly. They just own them forever, which means you pay less in tax. And they all beat the uh, mutual funds performance-wise too. Performance wise too. Med mutual funds are in secular decline. They exist still because they have a lot of money to spend on advertising and they have powerful unions uh, in DC, etc. So always invest in ETFs only um, uh, instead of mutual funds. Now, a crypto ETF is a great idea. I love it because most cryptos are scams. You know, there's four I've owned forever. Uh, Bitcoin, Litecoin, uh, Ripple, and Ether, Ethereum. Most cryptos are scams and a lot are going to go belly up. And so if you own a diversified portfolio within an ETF of cryptos, it's a smart way to do it because of course it diversifies your risk. Yeah. Uh, next next question is from Manas who wrote, um, is the Haroon Education Ventures MBA, uh, is it going to be the first ever MBA in the world uh, to be hosted and taught in the metaverse space? Um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's my intention. I am working on, I'm trying to figure it out. Nobody knows what the metaverse is going to look like, um, but uh, I, I am working on it and, and have been for a couple of years. If, for those of you who have taken the MBA degree program, you'll notice a lot of 3D modeling as well on the slides. It's something I've always wanted to, to put into the program. Uh, kind of like, um, uh, oh my God, dude, Peyton, you didn't have to do that, brother. Peyton, uh, who, who graduated from uh, my program last year, uh, he owns a company called Game Report, just donated two bucks. Thank you. That will go uh, right to charity. Um, and for those of you who don't know my wife, her name is Charity. And sorry. I haven't had one bad joke today. I'm so sorry. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you for that. You didn't have to do that, but I love you. I missed you, man. I miss you. I miss you. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I will do a metaverse version uh, of my program. It'll be kind of like I used to play World of Warcraft or because I invested in that company years ago. And I spent a bunch of time in China investing in video game companies. Uh, and I met with The Nine there as well, which is the infrastructure company that managed um, that, that managed uh, Warcraft, which now is owned by Activision, which owns Blizzard, Vivendi, which is now owned by Microsoft, if the deal gets approved by the government. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, Peyton, who just just joined, uh, just uh, uh, thank you so much. You didn't have to do that. Uh, but he's got this great company and he inspires me so much. 
So let me first of all show you a little bit about Peyton. He graduated from my, my MBA program last year. Uh, he's in the United States Navy in, in surface warfare. Peyton, it's just cool for me to say that. Plus, it's written right there. Yeah. So he, here's Peyton's profile. He's great. Um, I interviewed him actually on, on this call um, uh, a couple months ago. Uh, he's an expert in NFTs and blockchain and gaming. And what he did actually was Peyton started this amazing company called GameReport.io. And if we go here to GameReport.io, uh, we see here it's all about blockchain gaming. If anybody has any questions about blockchain gaming, please contact Peyton directly. Uh, he's a great guy. He understands the industry cold. And you can also go back and watch one of my, my older webcasts to see an interview with him. So if you go to my website here to learn all about blockchain gaming, let's go here, go to Aboot Chris, go to weekly webcasts, uh, and then you scroll down and, and you'll see him here. Where are you at, Peyton? Right here, right here. Peyton's a man. He's great. Yeah. So you can watch that, that interview with him. Great to see you, Peyton. I miss your brother. And I hope that your wife, Hannah, uh, and your two kids are doing great in your move from San Diego back to Oklahoma. Lots of love, buddy. Lots of love. All right. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Dinesh wrote, Angela, used courses are amazing. They are. They're, they're, they're incredible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I'm turning 50, as I mentioned earlier in the call. And so Daniel wrote here, uh, 50, 50. Uh, is the age of sophistication. Uh, you know uh, what you like and you know how to get it. Yeah, no, thank you. It's, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel 50. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking a bit older and stuff, but I don't, I don't feel it. I still feel like, uh, I still feel like I did when I was a teenager and my maturity as well. I still know every line from the movie Dumb and Dumber. I still have awful dad humor. I'm sorry. It's just, it is what it is, but I don't, I don't feel any different, but damn 50, damn crazy. And we have 50 concurrent viewers now too. Thank you for that. 52 now. Thank you. Which is the average age people start companies in America, 52. All right. Um, and I've started, so I got this product here, uh, to, to monitor my, uh, to monitor my sleep patterns. Um, cause I'm trying to, I'm always trying to push the goalpost out. It's called the Ura ring, Ura, uh, and Basically, what it does is it measures, uh, and it does a lot of other health stuff too, like steps, but whatever. Uh, it measures your sleep and your sleep quality. And so for me, my REM sleep, rapid eye movement when you have dreams, is always crazy off the charts. I look forward to going to bed sometimes because my, my dreams are like watching movies. I love it. I'm a positive person always. But this also measures something called deep sleep. And deep sleep is when your body repairs itself. And my deep sleep is abnormally low. And the reason, and I finally fixed it using this product. Um, I finally fixed it by going back to the gym and doing weights. I, I messed up my shoulder last year, big time, uh, but I've started to go back to the gym now. Um, and so it's actually helped from a quantified self perspective for me to get back in shape. Yeah. 50. Okay. Um, next up, Manas wrote, do you think Bitcoin and Ethereum are leading crypto markets uh, like gold and silver? Uh, I do. I do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I've always loved Bitcoin. I've always loved uh, Ethereum. Ethereum, the problem with Ethereum, though, is there's a there's no limit on supply. But the reason I've always loved Ethereum is because it's a platform. You know, most NFTs, they get listed, so to speak, or made. They're made on the Ethereum platform. The same thing with, with ICOs, which are like IPOs, but for cryptos. They're done on the Ethereum platform. 
And Bitcoin I love because it was the first notable crypto. Um, it's, it's, it's secure. Um, also, there's only going to be 21 million Bitcoins that will ever be made. Yeah. All right. Um, and then you wrote here, uh, most apps uh, and new altcoins are on Ethereum. Uh, do you ever think, uh, think Ether will beat uh, uh, Bitcoin soon? Uh, I think so. In the long run, I, I, I prefer it. I prefer it because it is a platform as well. But I love both and I own both. Now, my son, Dylan, um, he, he's 12 now. I should probably get a more updated picture. Um, so I've got a, a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old. They're both driving now. Scary. And I've got a 12-year-old, goal, 12-year-old going on 30. Right, he, you know, because he has older brothers, but Dylan is all into. Uh, Dylan came up with that great idea of 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 getting a hundred bucks to get a down payment on Tesla, uh, and then when it arrives, um, you don't buy it or you sell it for ten thousand dollars more than what it's worth, just because supplies are limited today. He's a, he's a born businessman. Uh, he he inspires me as well, and he's getting into helium mining, and so he saved a lot of money. Right, he has a lot of little companies on the side. I don't know where he gets that from. Probably my wife Christine. She's great. Um, but he's buying this product called a helium miner, and um, it's it's 400 bucks, and he's trying to save up for. It. I'm not going to give him a penny of that. Yeah, no, I don't want entitled kids, right? He's saving up for it, uh, and he thinks he can break even in three months. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens with that helium miner. Yeah, but if you want to learn about new trends in the market, new things to invest in, always analyze and listen to the younger generation because they know what's coming next. All right. Uh, next up, Aditya wrote, uh, today I booked... A l- oh, yeah, you mentioned that before. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, ne- moving on to Manas wrote, thank you for everything. You're most welcome. Uh, God bless you and your family forever and ever. God bless you more, brother. Uh, see you next week. Uh, Till then, let's push the goalpost. Oot. Good. You're saying it like a Canadian. It's oot. Okay. Americans, it's not out. It's oot. Because, you know, Canadians, we invented English. Yeah. God bless you. Thank you for that. Uh, next up, uh, Stuart wrote, uh, how many gallons is your drink uh, container? I'm not sure, but I recommend everybody get this. And what I do with my students, my MBA program, when I teach live, is we compete. We compete to see who can finish this and if we can get 10,000 or 20,000 steps per day. But I'll show you. I'll show you. We are 60% water, and it gives you a hell of a lot more energy. So let me go here to my Amazon accounts. Um, I'm always an open book, as you all know. And let's go here to... Um, and I just ordered more uh, more of this stuff here because when you're when you're on camera, you have to, you have to put that stuff on or, or you shine. But I'll search here for bottle. All right, here it is. Here, yeah, yeah. So so this is the one here, and it comes with two different caps. One is a straw, and the other is without the straw. Uh, the only problem with it is it's really hard to see through it. Yeah. So it's one gallon. Here it is. Yeah, one gallon. All right. Uh, n- next up, uh, Akshay wrote, uh, and if I mispronounce anyone's name, I'm so sorry. And please let me know because I don't want to offend anybody. The question is, top of the morning to you, sir. Thank you, Chris, please. I uh, hope you had a wonderful week so far. Uh, I have a follow-up question regarding the metaverse. Yeah, sure, anything. Does uh, Decentraland come under as a platform? And do you think uh, that is a good investment? Um and there is an Ethereum name service also. Can you share your thoughts on this? Thanks. Um, so, Peyton, Peyton, do you want to come on the call right now and answer those questions on Zoom? Uh, l- let me know, okay? And, and you know where to get the link. It's the same as always. 
uh, let, let me know. And while we wait for Peyton to get on, if he's still with us, I think he is. because He just left a comment there at 9.03 a.m. Um, what I'll do is I'll answer other questions. And Peyton, if, if you can't do it because you're in, in Okinawa with the, with, with the Navy, et cetera, the, no problem at all. Yeah. He flies to Okinawa a lot. Yeah. Uh, oh, good. He, he wrote, let's do it. Excellent. Let's do this, guys. All right. You guys are going to love this guy. So he knows everything about... Uh, uh, oh, I'm going to ask Peyton about Activision too with Microsoft. He's an expert uh, in investing in the video game space as well. He knows more than anybody I know. So what I'll do is uh, I'm going to tee this up. Uh, give, me, give me one second here. Okay, I'll go here, and I'm going to go to my calendar, and I'll go here quickly. Just click Zoom here, yeah. All right, and I will open up Zoomy, launch the meeting. I think Zoom is launching. Here it is. All right, we're getting there. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Excellent. All right, Peyton, you know the address, brother, okay? Excellent. Uh and then Peyton, uh, just send me a message here w w when you're ready and, and you've logged in and, and I'll switch over, okay? Thanks, Ben. All right, great. I'm excited, Ben. Cassandra, good morning. How are you? Uh, Cassandra is, is from um, uh, R Romania originally uh, and now she lives in Florida uh, and uh, she's wonderful. I met her in person actually here at graduation. It's great to see you. Great to see you. Uh, so Cassandra wrote, uh, the stock market, uh, can you give a high uh, or a low but you should stop uh, these losses feeling and be cool when you invest. Oh, okay. I got it. You said, listen to Professor Haroon invest long-term strategy. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, long-term. The longer the view, the wiser the intention, as Mr. Buffett said. Yeah. I miss you. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. And say hi to your daughter, Tiger Glory, too. Okay. All right. Um, let's see here. Give me one second. And I'm going to get, uh, uh, and you guys, if you guys have questions about NFTs or gaming or anything, I want you to ask uh, Peyton, please. Uh, he, he's awesome. All right, here we go. And give me one second. And Peyton, let, let me know when you're ready, brother. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, next up, uh, uh, Keith, uh, Keith, Keith wrote, Hi, Chris. Can you please explain uh, what uh, capitalizing costs means? Is this the same as depreciation? Uh, thanks. Yeah. I'm not really sure how to explain that. Um, it, might, it might be similar to amortization, where basically it's like goodwill. Like if you buy a company for more than it's worth, um, what you can do is um, the, the amount that you think it's, 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 you've overpaid for it, you might be able to write part of that off. Yeah, but I'm actually not sure. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Andre, Andres wrote, uh, come to South America. I'd love to, dude. I actually gave a speech uh, uh, at a venture capital conference in Rio a couple of years ago. You can go to my, my, my YouTube channel to check it out. Um, it, it was fun. I, I loved it. Rio's beautiful, and I was in Sao Paulo as well. Sao Paulo has a massive Italian population, hence amazing Italian food. Yeah, I, I loved it. Loved it. Uh, moving on to uh, Aditya, who wrote, Cassandra, thank you for your, your advice. Yeah, oh, Cassandra's dope. All right. Uh, and then Cassandra wrote, Chris, do you think that anyone can code? Um, I did Fortran at university, uh, uh, basic with my uncle when I was six, uh, and I'm having such a hard time doing it. Maybe coding is not for everyone. No, I, I, I would like, check out Andrew Yu's courses. She makes it fun. And I'm releasing a course later this year as well. Uh, and something I'm going to be adding to the MBA program, which I'll disclose later this year, uh, on programming as well. I want to get back to my roots 
I want to start doing business intelligence stuff, artificial intelligence, algorithms, etc. Um, yeah, and all of this is part of my learning process on how to put all this stuff here, my MBA program, on the metaverse in the long run. Yeah. I'm 50, but I'm just getting started, folks. Okay. Um, and then Cassandra said, I thought I would understand accounting, and I dropped from the University of North Florida MBA's program in 2005. But I understand accounting uh, through you, taught by you, so I'm looking forward to your coding course. Thanks. You, you'll love it. You'll love it. Yeah. It's going to be fun. All right, next up, I've got uh, a Prathmesh who wrote, uh, thank you, sir, Chris, please, uh, for your courses. I've taken uh, your, all your courses and they're fabulous. Uh, uh, lots of love from India. Thank you. Lots of love back to you as well. And again, on my 50th birthday, my wife, Christine, is taking me out to my favorite Indian restaurants. Yeah. She said, you can pick any restaurant you want. I said, I want Indian food because all I'm going to eat is I'm going to order two orders of the Bollywood dosa. Yeah, it's so good. Moving on to uh, Dinesh. Uh, Dinesh wrote, uh, okay, so Dinesh, I'll get to you in a second. Uh, Peyton is ready uh, to do the, the Zoom call. So what I'm going to do is we're going to go here and any questions people have uh, about uh, about NFTs and stuff, uh, we, we can ask here. Yeah. Oh, he's in the car. Excellent. All right, so Peyton is connected to audio. You there, buddy? What's up? How are you, man? What, what's happening? Good, good, good. Happy New Year, brother. Where are you at, man? Happy New Year. I, I am back in San Diego. We actually just came back from Okinawa this past weekend. So Oh, in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. So, Excellent. 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 And I miss you. Yeah, I miss, I miss the class. I miss the NBA. Yeah, I miss you too, man. I miss you too. So what, what's, what, what's in Okinawa? Like it's uh, the U.S. Uh, it's based, just right? me, me uh, teaching some of the Marines there uh, that are okay. based out there. Okay, yeah. right. Cool. Oh, so, yeah, so, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So you're a Marine? No. <laughs> no, I'm not Navy. No, I, I'm, I kid, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. I, I, I know. I, I, know I, know. That, I know that bugs you, but I love you. So I, I got to say that. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Well, great to see you, brother. Great to see you. So there's been some questions uh, on, um, uh, on on NFT stuff uh, I want to ask you about. But first of mm -hmm. all, yeah. I know you know a ton about Activision. You bought puts and calls in Activision over oh, the years. What, what are your thoughts? Gosh. What are your thoughts on this deal? And, and let me let me tee yeah. let me tee it up first. Sorry. So for those of you not familiar with what happened, Microsoft is paying close to seventy billion dollars uh, to buy Activision yeah. ATVI, um, and it's 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 actually it was like a twenty five percent premium, but. It's the same price where Activision was before all these sexual mm -hmm. assault allegations yeah. uh, from last summer. Uh, and so um, Microsoft has been circling the wagon for a while, trying to buy this asset. Uh, Bobby Kotick, who's the, the founder and CEO I met with a number of times mm -hmm. um, when I used to go long and short Activision, um, he's going to be stepping aside, it looks like. Um, and, and there was yeah. a, a massive petition of 10 or 20% of the workforce Activision asking for changes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you now give, give your thoughts yeah. on this deal. Thanks. It's just absolutely yeah. crazy. So yeah. Microsoft is now a juggernaut. So $68.7 billion for the Activision acquisition. And like, you're exactly right. The valuation was yeah. just a few, uh, few months ago before yeah. the sexual allegations yeah. were the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my thoughts were like, Xbox is like really, or like Microsoft is betting really big on like the metaverse right. and like what's, what's, uh, what's available. Like uh, Nike has also uh, bought an NFT project for like upwards of, billions of dollars we just don't know what yet right um and just a lot of these are starting to what i believe like microsoft is doing is this creating an ecosystem in which that they're going to use a platform as a service and um they understand they use the uh what's currently happening in the crypto gaming markets they're waiting for regulation to come like from the right. sec and gary gensler and all that stuff to probably make their move in terms of like uh nfts and the, and the space mm -hmm. um and then make that marketplace to have like to sell skins like for um 
Call of Duty or to like, you know, mm-hmm. Halo. They have Halo, Gears of War, uh, Overwatch, World yeah. of Warcraft. Yeah. And they have the Fable series. They just have like this huge metaverse now that people yeah. want to play. Like think about yeah. it in terms of like Disneyland or anything like yeah. that. Like there's going to be a Disneyland, but an infinitely scalable canvas, which is like the metaverse. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be able to play. And then they're probably going to have a platform of gaming. Okay. Um, and they're probably going to optimize advertisement and um, NFT marketplaces mm-hmm. to really make that $60 billion valuation seem like like nothing, really. Yeah. Uh, I really do think that they're going to get their money back in like five years. It's amazing. All cash deal. Uh, the biggest all cash deal in years. Um, yeah. Biggest acquisition for, for Microsoft in several years uh, as well. Um, I was blown away. Now, I, 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 and you mentioned Gears of War. I got to go there. Sorry. So I'm a huge Gears of War fan. I remember when uh, I was at the Kodak Theater in 05 and 06 at E3 when, when Bill Gates uh, introduced it. And I was playing it when, when this guy was two years old. It's a terrible story, but I'm going there. I'm, uh, <laughs> so I didn't know he was in the room. And my wife was there too. And I'm playing Gears of War. And I had one of those bazookas, you know, the boom guns, right? And I took out this guy, an alien guy, and his head came off. There's blood everywhere. And Dylan was staring at the screen going, man, man, head, owie. Man, head, owie. Like yeah, and so I, I I got in trouble for that yeah. So yeah, I, yeah definitely yeah. probably did. <laughs> man had man had owie yeah was yeah a genius. Now you never forget it. Awesome. Great yeah, quote. Yeah. yeah yeah no but um, yeah. Go no, ahead, no 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 uh, sorry yeah yeah. Do you think that the that the government is going to allow the deal to go through? I never actually thought about that. Yeah. Um, they really shouldn't because it's like a consolidation. So like, who's really like the other like types of competition for yeah. you know gaming right take two and take two by bot zynga really good um yeah. but at the same time too like you're talking about like uh a death blow to sony yeah you talk about like the biggest competition that sony yeah. and playstation has like they already said like they've already promised microsoft already promised that like bethesda like when they made the acquisition that like oh you know like um uh the new Elder scrolls and the new like uh, open world game is going to be coming to playstation 2 right well they sooner attracted that and now it's no longer going to be an exclusive. It's going to be an exclusive to Microsoft PC. Right. Um, and then same thing is going to go with Call of Duty, which is like one of the biggest, like probably partnerships that mm. PlayStation had for many years, like exclusive, yeah. like in-game items going to PlayStation. Right. Well, Microsoft and Xbox are probably just going to cut everything. World of Warcraft, uh, like in terms of Overwatch, in terms yeah. of Call of Duty, yeah. Tony Hawk Pro Skater, like everything that like Activision Blizzard has been doing for the past few years. Yeah. And they also picked up Mobile King, which yeah. is just crazy. A lot yeah. of people don't talk about that. The operating margins are super high there. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, like it's a, like, it's a monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Amazing. it's a monopoly. Yeah. Do you for think, gaming. like, do you think that Microsoft will only make Call of Duty for Xbox or is there too much money on the table to, to leave there for, for PlayStation? So it depends. Probably in the next like year or two, yes. Yeah. Um, especially if like they they do the reshuffling. But like I also don't see like like Warzone and stuff like that probably should. And so as Call of Duty will probably be uh, yearly. But I think um, the subscription fees that they have mm-hmm. for like Game Pass yeah. is just like too like nice to have. So like it could also just be like exclusive, like, you know, weekly or something. There can, there can be a lot of things that like entices people to move over to Microsoft. They'll probably do it a slow transition over the few years. But as soon as like they get like an open marketplace, similar to Axie, Mm. like game over, and they they can offset all of the revenue that like they would lose from Sony into just like 
people trading skins and uh, weapons via yeah. blockchain yeah. or yeah. through like uh, just an in-game marketplace that they yeah. attach a fee to. Interesting. Well, the exclusive nature of, of these games is why I buy platforms uh, or buy, uh, buy, buy consoles. So, for example, the only reason I bought uh, uh, the PS2 was because of Vice City back in 2002. And the, mm-hmm. and the only reason I bought the PS4 was because of Uncharted. Uh, so yeah, it, it's great. It's great. Um, and they're making a movie out of, out of it coming soon. And the only reason I bought the Xbox again was just you know, it was Gears of War. Um, so we'll see what they do with exclusive titles. I think Microsoft's going to be a little bit careful with it because, you know, antitrust over the years has tried to break them up for, for making mm-hmm. products exclusive to their platforms only and for what they did to Netscape back in the late 90s. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah. it's really a double-edged sword for Microsoft because whenever whenever a company makes a massive acquisition, investors love it because revenues go up a bit. And then one year later, revenue goes down. So the year-over-year comparisons are tough. And so it's a double-edged sword because they have to do a massive acquisition every year forever. And so, of course, they bought mm-hmm. they bought GitHub. They, they bought Nuance Communications. Um, but this is something that Oracle pioneered years ago. Oracle does a massive deal every year because if they don't, it looks like they're not growing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I don't own uh, any Microsoft or Activision yeah. now. But like uh, the yeah. – yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a crazy, crazy thought. Yeah. Um, and like, I think they also have a, their eyesight on Warner Brothers Interactive because mm-hmm. AT and T has so much debt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they rolled out Warner Brothers Interactive right. from AT and T in the Time Warner Cable deal. Right. And the uh, thing is, is like Warner Brothers Interactive has like Batman: Arkham Asylum right. and right. also Mortal Kombat. So I'm wondering which like uh, big like name. Hopefully, Take Two takes it, but I think they're yeah. out of cash. To be yeah. honest, Microsoft's the only one that has like a lot of. It's cr- you I, know, a cash. Out of cash. A cash deal of that size. That's just like one percent of market cap. So it's crazy. Yeah, I got a, <laughs> I got a question here from Akshay. Uh, and if anybody has questions about NFT, blockchain, gaming, anything, uh, please ask Peyton. Um, he's the founder of GameReport.io. He understands the, the industry cold and way better than I ever will. So the first question here is, and I don't know even know what this means, but does Decentraland come under as a platform? Um, so like he, he's probably talking about like Decentraland or or sorry, uh, Decentraland or Sandbox. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are like our our platforms in, in a sense. Um, I think Decentraland is on the downturn. I'll be honest. What, what is um, what, what is Decentraland though? What does so that mean? Decentraland and Sandbox is like a social uh, place in which that people can experience things. So like uh, mm-hmm. there's concerts that happen in Decentraland, <clears throat> and also like uh, it's like more NFT based. So there right. like, people own the land underneath it. So like mm-hmm. the platform as a whole is like a decentralized. So right. each land can do whatever they want with the land. Right. Um, and like develop like experiences, either concerts or whatever, and you can buy big chunks of it to make a bigger experience. Um, I would think of it like as like digital real estate. Yeah. Um, okay. And like Decentraland, I believe is like on a downtrend uh, just because mm. Sandbox has been taking so much traction. Okay. Um, both of them on the Ethereum uh, blockchain. So yeah. if like I'm a new investor and like, because uh, I, I think Decentraland and um, uh, Sandbox is probably priced out for a lot of like the mm. the average person to at least invest into the NFTs. Right. Because I think the land is going for like um, four or five ETH, which is just like a lot. Mm. Um, you know, mm. that's like almost like forty grand. Yeah. Um, for for just like a piece of land. Um, right. and like you need to like learn how to scale it too. So it's not just like you buy the land; you still need to develop it, mm. attract people to it. You need marketing. Um, in terms of like investing in like right. land, but like in terms of the token, like it's it's a it's a utility token. Mm. You got to be careful with like all of these uh, blockchain games, and I'll be the first one to admit, like a lot of it's just speculation. Yeah. Because like in terms of the games, they're not currently out yet. Yeah. 
like uh, I think Sandbox has like a valuation uh, very close. I think it's like one of the top valuations. Um, forgot what it was at, mm. uh, but I know it's it's touched twenty to thirty uh, mm. billion dollar valuation, um, closer to like Roblox um, in terms of fully diluted, and it's I think that's too high of a valuation. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's come down since then I think to seven, but it's also like so fluctuates so much. Right. Uh, but Sandbox, Decentraland, definitely are platforms, and mm. you're you'd be holding that for a long time. So just be careful of that. Right. Um, and then market sentiment as well has just been kind of a little bit uh, bearish lately. Okay, so. cool. And, and thank you for that, Peyton. Uh, so, Peyton, how would you um, how would you explain to to our, to our audience here um, how to buy an NFT and how to make an NFT? And and assume yeah. assume that we don't know, we I'll speak for myself. We don't know much about that stuff. Yeah. How do yeah. You, how do you buy? So, how do you make? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first, like NFT, like a non fungible token, um, mm. probably represents like a deed. And so like it gives you ownership, like rights to things. Mm. And so you can go on like OpenSea.io and like mm. you can upload it like you would like YouTube or mm. upload like uh, anything. Mm. It can be created in NFT. Yeah. Um, but that's not how it really been working. So like lately, like, you know, whenever um, like board at yacht clubs or like mm. uh, crypto punks like came out, like when they were first ever like NFTs and like started to pick up traction. Um, you could just kind of get away with like uploading a, a JPEG right. and then creating a community around like that picture. That's kind of where the NFTs right. got their like their thought of being like just a JPEG. Right. But now there's like NFTs that can like cause like a lot of utility. Like for example, like it can cause you like to have um, a membership. So like let's say that Chris made a NFT mm -hmm. and uh, to be able to get into his website, you had to sign in uh, using your wallet and it has to show that you have that NFT before you get into the website. Um, so there's like exclusive uh, huh. communities in which that can be done. Um, and then it also gives people resale value. So like Chris, if you do want to create that, like a, like a NFT for your course, you know, so like season one would be like the first like generation, second like would be our, like our class and the third generation would have like each one of their NFTs hmm. and like they would sign into like uh, the membership page and they would have it. And then if they like, um, you know, it could be a collectible or something they can resell that. Yeah. And then that person has access to like the membership. Right. So it gives like valuation, but like maybe not like your, your business model doesn't really make sense for that. But like mm -hmm. in terms of like other people's, it might. Um, and uh, I think that's like really cool. So like if you want to go that route, there's like like NFTs, like uploading things, like you'll probably have to design artists, um, like also probably a blockchain developer if you're not familiar with that. Right. And then like kind of have like some type of utility, but then right. you can upload it to like anywhere. Um, there's also websites that you can like mint straight to contract, mm. which is just like a whole nother like, that's probably a 201 or 301 class, which is probably not at the scope for this. But yeah, um, yeah I think uh, NFTs are like definitely like the future. And like okay, the first cool. iteration of it was JPEGs, but now we're moving towards more like probably like the layer two section okay. of it where like there's going to be a lot of utility towards right. the NFTs. Right. Okay, cool. So let's say my, my son, Dylan, um, let's say that he, uh, he he just made this. I also business. think Dylan is going to get his money back in a month and a half, depending on the density of his place. Oh, for the, oh, the helium. For helium. Can, you yeah. can, you can you explain this? And I'm going to play it. Like, I read him stories at bedtime. Um, yeah. I'm still, he lets me. Uh, but at bedtime tonight, I'm going to show him your answer on this. Can you explain what is helium? And do you think it's good to mine helium and, and, and assume, like, speak at a level where I'm not yeah. super techie? Yeah. So, like, I... I can't like explain it like yeah. uh, I can't explain it very well to be yeah. honest. There's a lot of yeah. people in my Discord that do it, uh, do it a lot more justice. So like I would think of it like more like towards like five G towers okay. or something like that, like or like some type of thing where yeah. like you have uh, people that can connect to it, and the more that you people connect to your specific node, the more you get paid. 
So that's why I meant by like density. And you yeah. guys are being in San Francisco. Like I do believe that like you guys have a higher amount of density. Yeah. Or you find somebody that is located pretty central. Like you yeah. know, like maybe work uh, Dylan to like work his like networking skills yeah. to see if somebody that has like a, a high population density that could possibly connect to the helium nodes, hmm. um, in which that like he can make his money back really quickly. I, I I agree with him in terms of like three months. His probably calculations are correct that he can get his money back for a four hundred dollar note. But also, yeah. like, I think it's like the waiting list is like six months. Oh, it's crazy! Um, yeah, he, like yeah, he, he looks on he's, he looks on eBay. He's got this business now, also of selling my mm -hmm. camera stuff. I don't use. I give him a little cut on eBay, but, nice. but on, on eBay, it's like three x the cost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. It is, and it's just because it's like demand. Like Teslas are like used Teslas are going yeah. more higher than stuff yeah. just because they can yeah. get it, and so yeah. Um, and then like yeah, so it, it's very dense population populated areas i think it'll be really cool for him to like you know right. talk with his friends or something like that it's like hey you know you yeah. live in a, a pretty dense area in which yeah. people use uh this network right, right. Yeah. um yeah. can i set up the node or like you know set up a business like maybe buy right. two and then right. like, cross talk with each other very cool very cool okay awesome thanks for that so i've got more questions here from the audience for you if anybody has questions for uh uh for, for Peyton, please type them now thank you next question i've got is um is there an ethereum name service and what are your thoughts on this Ethereum name service. Yeah. It, what does that mean? I, I, do I, don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, yeah. if, so I'll, I'll try. So <laughs> name service. If they can, yeah. if they can elaborate on that. Like yeah. there's like, if there's like, um, there's, if he's talking about what I think he's talking about, which is like Twitter, like handles and stuff like that, or people like saying like, you know, Peyton Kalevahea.ens, mm. um, you know, or like .eth, which is like, you know, Ethereum, or like some people think that like, oh, they have like an ETH name. Yeah. It's really just a URL of their name. Um, okay. So it's really cool, like uh, Unstoppable Domains, for example, uh, there is like a site in which that you can send, uh, you know, instead of typing in your wallet address, like mm -hmm. copy pasting your wallet address into like a, uh, you can just like put in that URL right. uh, into that wallet address and then it'll right. forward it to whatever currency that you currently have. So like. Right. You have you hook up your Cardano, your Ethereum, your Bitcoin wallet to mm. that URL, mm. and then it sends. Um, I don't know if that's the answer yeah. he's looking for, yeah. but yeah. any elaboration would probably help. And cool, awesome. I'll try to at my best. Thanks, thanks, brother. Appreciate. It. All right, ne next time I've got uh, Aditya is asking, how can we find the NFTs that will have good returns in the future? Um, so like I, I take a lot of like what Chris did in terms of actually like made my whole template um off of it my whole business off of like the template that he uses for cryptocurrencies and then also like uh some of the materials that like the hundred step questions that uh chris has and i, I tailor them to nfts not everything makes sense in terms of like stock market to crypto but a lot of it does it, it does transfer over um so like valuations and fundamentals always are the same so like mm -hmm. i first of all the team um you know uh chris always has stuff you know, mm -hmm. bet on the jockey, not, or not the horse. Yeah. Is that right, Ace? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and you pounded that into me throughout yeah. the course. But like, uh, yeah, the, that like, that thing still is true throughout like investing. Like, that's like almost like evergreen, right? So like, mm -hmm. in terms of the stuff, like, I do not dox, like, if they're not like, a, if they're anonymous team, I do not invest into them. Mm -hmm. And then they have to cause like some type of utility. Yeah. If they're first of their kind, it seems like that's like a lot of uh, the value, what people right. value in terms of right. NFTs. So there's just one, um, for example, like an NFT that you own mm. like AI mm. and you could like train it through like these little um, characters mm. and then like that AI can be transferred over to other different projects that possibly could partner with them in the future. Right. And yeah, it was one of those ones that like that has 
a really big use case and also like first mm -hmm. of its kind. And mm -hmm. so it's doing very well. Yeah. Um, I think it's like currently selling for like four or five ETH per floor. Um, and the, and the higher rarities, it's like 10 to 12. So cool. uh, very cool, like in terms of that. Um, and then I also like look into projects before a lot of other people do. And mm. I use like Crunchbase, which is mm. another tool that Chris taught me about how to use. Mm. And it's like looking into projects that are getting funded by like very reputable brands. Right. So not just the teams, but whoever's yeah. like advising the teams and funding yeah. the teams. Yeah. That was something that I, I, I do quite often. Um, and that's what like I teach in terms of yeah. uh, my discord. And they, they're, they're better at it than I do be honest right and so um yeah and then to be honest like chris's chris's like uh templates you hopefully you have them because yeah. that's what i use <laughs> no, no, i appreciate it thank you let, let me ask you a question um let's say you're you're the ceo of nike or adidas and you don't know <clears throat> anything about nfts and um the cto or the cmo of the firm says we need to invest in it in, in nfts how would you convince them be and then also explain if you know please what is Nike? What are Nike and Adidas doing right now with NFTs? Because I know that they've invested, and and, and do it from a non-techie -techie perspective. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll first explain the the back end because yeah. they both are um, yeah. both in it. Um, Adidas did buy land in the sandbox, which which we just talked about, mm. um, and also are like kind of going into like the wearables section of yeah. like. Um, NFTs, so like they, you, there's like instead of just like physical clothing, there's also digital clothing to like right. represent you. Think of them as like Fortnite skins or something. Oh, interesting. Um, that's something that can, huh. uh, that's something that they're doing. But Nike also like full on bought out a company called like RTFKT. I think I don't know, I don't know how to pronounce it. NFT language is also very weird. Um, yeah. And they they bought it out, and it's like a uh, wearable um, NFT, in which that like they do mm -hmm. like a wearable physical and also digital merchandise and i think like nike did a very good job of keeping mm. within their brand of like nike mm. um and uh doing that um so like mm. what i would like recommend for like nike or uh adidas mm. is probably just like um i think a lot of people that are currently like consulting them yeah. are people that like yeah. got in very early that they didn't deal right. with the, the issues that are currently happening yeah. in like the NFT space. So like high gas fees, for example, yeah. um, like in 2017, you didn't have to be worried about like purchasing an NFT and mm. competing against other people because the gas was so low, like mm. 10 bucks, 15 bucks. Okay. But now gas is up to 400, 500 yeah. to a thousand to $2,000. Yeah. Yeah. Just what, for what gas is, alone. It, because, it, what would you, how would you explain gas? Uh, gas is like, I would say it's like a tax. So like, you know, Ethereum needs to be able to be run and uh, there needs to be priorities for transactions. So put simply in terms of a blockchain, yeah. each block is filled hmm. before it moves on to the next one. Right. Uh, whenever there's a high amount of volume, hmm. the only way to fill that block or for your transaction to get filled in that block is to like pretty much tip the miners saying like, hey, I want your, your specific um, ability to mine my transaction first. I'm going to pay you, I don't know, 0.3 ETH, which is a lot. Uh, to be able to put my transaction ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Um, and blocks are limited, so yeah. that miners pick out pretty much the highest paying people. Um, mm -hmm. So whenever there's a, a high amount of transactions right. happening in the same uh, early time, aka like NFT drops, mm. it becomes like a just a bidding war for miners to to optimize like putting people's transactions into blocks. And so those gas, that's like what gas is. Mm. Um, and so people just pay a lot of money, absurd mm. amount of money, yeah. thousands of dollars, $2,000 yeah. 
to get their transactions into that block. And especially because it's Nike or Adidas, mm. they want it, right? So they're yeah. willing to pay whatever amount uh, because they're, they're collecting the first of its kind, which is like Nike and Adidas. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Last question for you. Two-part question. Um, what publicly traded companies could you look to invest in that will give you exposure to either NFTs or the metaverse? So metaverse, the two easy ones, like probably the very low risk. Mm. And to be honest, like Facebook, yeah. I know our thoughts on Facebook sometimes, but like meta is just yeah. like, they're, they're too big of a beast. Like they, they're going to be like 3 billion, mm. um, 3 billion people are on their platform. Yeah. And then like them getting entered. And then also you have the tailwind of like Elon Musk with Starlink putting yeah. internet around the world. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, that, yeah. that Facebook then becomes like three to four to five billion. And then they're also implementing a, a wallet within their WhatsApp. Mm. So like they're gonna they're gonna do it. And also Zuckerberg is so like forward thinking. Um, yeah. you know, you can have your thoughts on Zuckerberg, but yeah. to think that he's not thinking one or two steps ahead is just being you're just hating the dude for for uh doing a really good job yeah. at least understanding yeah. what their culture is going. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft as well in terms of like the gaming. Uh, those are the two safest ones. Another mm -hmm. like one that's probably uh, um, that's gotten beaten down quite a bit is actually uh, Block or uh, Square. Mm -hmm. um, just like the the I think the revenues are going to be increasing for them, mm -hmm. like PayPal and, and Square. I might be the new banks, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, just because like there's also a generational pass down of wealth. So baby boomers mm -hmm. have like millennials and Gen Zers, and I think millennials and Gen Zers only own like five percent, six percent of the wealth in the United States. Right. So like whenever they pass down that wealth, you know, if they eventually like uh, pass away, unfortunately, like yeah. that's going to be trickled down to like millennials and um, uh, Gen Zers, and they're not going to go to banks. They're going to go right. to like Square, Cash right. App, like right. PayPal, Venmo, all that stuff. So I'm like positioning a little bit more uh, into to those stocks, mm. um, and they also are very big advocates of cryptocurrencies, right? Right. Um, and like, to be honest, take two, I like mm. take two, like take two is just like one of those ones that like Grand Theft Auto metaverse and everything like that. Um, and if mm. you like really want to be really wow. risky, yeah. um, is like Ubisoft. Okay. Um, I'm just mostly talking like more towards gaming just cause I'm in yeah. that sector a lot, yeah. but like Ubisoft yeah. is one that I would say is very much trying to, uh, Get into nfts right okay. um great they just they just suck at it because like yeah. no gamers trust them right because like they're ubisoft yeah uh, so they're trying to build that trust again but like ubisoft's already tried nfts uh they failed but th they'll come back again because okay. they've from the crypto gaming standpoint uh -huh. they are investing into all the crypto games that are actually really good right now right. and they're right. a lot of wealth well okay cool. um and i think oh and then like probably um one that's also gotten beat down quite a bit is uh, Lemonade Insurance. Mm. Lemonade Insurance made an acquisition um, and the acquisition yeah. that they made, yeah. I forget the business they're called, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that business was, had Bitcoin on the balance sheet. Oh, interesting, okay. And, and, and share with us quickly how, how you got to meet and communicate with the CEO of Lemonade. Oh yeah, yeah, that was fun. So before like, I, I did my uh, pivot shift of like my branding into like crypto games, um, I did like these uh, skits and um, I think uh, it was, yeah, it was in like the first semester of Chris's uh, course yeah. and that he was talking about like networking on LinkedIn and everything. And I was like, you know, what, like, let's just take a shot here. And so I, I uh, did a skit 
we're very targeted towards lemonade insurance. Um, right. And yeah, it's just a fun little skit. And it was just a minute long. And then I send it to uh, the CEO of Lemonade Insurance. And I ended up just like getting to talk to him uh, for a bit just because he enjoyed the video and yeah. thought it was funny. Um, you know, I was like more starstruck. So I didn't obviously have any like real good thoughts to like actually give him a good question. But uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good time. It's it genius. It's genius. And I went to a Tony Robbins event once um, and he had this guest speaker. Uh, this guy that owned this massive company in Cleveland and his customers were all steel companies. And the way he got a meeting with a, a big steel company was he, he mailed to the CEO of a steel company a nice little pine box. And in the box was a $1 coin from the 1800s. And he left a very nice handwritten note, which was this. Dear sir, in this box, please find a $1 coin from the 1800s. Although it has a face value of $1, it's worth a lot more. And my services, humbly, will add much more value than you think it will. I'm really butchering this one, man. I'm telling no, you. It's good. I, I'm getting it's fi good. I'm 50. This is what happens, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, no. uh, and just like this dollar, the face value of my services has a much higher, uh, higher return on investment for you. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. He wouldn't have responded oh, yeah. if I pitched it that way. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, so I, I got. That's why he wrote it out. Yeah, exactly, it. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So before I before I let you go, um, what I want to do is I want to go to uh, your 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 website here, okay, um, and um, it's GameReport.io. And can you explain to us um, what your long term strategy is for your company and just a one liner yeah. on what it is? Yeah. So GameReport. There is a, uh, a gap of like transparency within mm -hmm. like blockchain games, which I know yeah. it's crazy because yeah. blockchain is very transparent. Yeah. Um, but there's no like SEC, right? There's no like uh, governing authority that gives transparency to transparency to investors like S1 reports, Q1 reports, and all that good stuff. Right. Um, and so I felt like there was a gap there. A lot of people were getting hurt, and I felt like some mm -hmm. type of moral obligation also to help people like learn. Right. Um, so what I do is first I, I do like reports similar to like the S1 reports mm. um, uh, under the reports tab and they I go over projects that um, I feel like are what's moving crypto gaming space forward. Yeah. So like there you can see all these projects that I've invested in and Sandbox mm. being one of them. Um, mm. And uh, they, they kind of come through and explain the broad overview of like what it is. Um, and then also just kind of explain uh, like the fundamentals and like, yeah. you know, if you're yeah. thinking a lot of them are uh, yeah. familiar, Chris, it's because I pretty much took a lot of that stuff from your template no, no, no. Um, in terms of like the team and the management team. Um, and also the other side of things is like educating, right? Uh, yeah. So like my YouTube channel is like very much like going through um, these specific yeah. Uh, projects and then uh -huh. explaining to them like why people actually think about it. Yeah, I, uh, I, how you dude, think about I, it because I got, like I got, nobody else is doing. This. I got to interrupt quick. Okay, you're wearing the same shirt in this video that you're wearing now, except it's yeah. blue. You got a blue one on there. Here you have a gray one on, um, and, yeah. and I and I love I it. Wash it. I love it. God <laughs> is a creator. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. Excellent. Well, dude, I I, I want to thank you for your your time. I I, I always learn a lot uh, when I'm talking to you. I uh, always appreciate it and um, all the best to you and Hannah uh, and the kids and I hope to hope to see you in class again soon, buddy. Thank you. Oh, I know. I, know. I can't wait. Can't all right. Wait. All right, brother. Love Take you guys. Care. Take care, man. Love you too, man. Bye. See ya. Thanks. All right. And that was the great Peyton Kalawahea from San Diego. He just moved uh, to Oklahoma where his wife Hannah is from. 
Uh, he works at the United States Navy. Great guy. Check out GameReport.io uh, if you want to learn everything there is to know about NFT, blockchain gaming, etc. Okay. All right. Next up, I have got here uh, a, a super, super God wrote, uh, nice hairstyle. Thank you. I don't know, man. I think I kind of messed it up this morning. I'm used to having short hair. Long hair, it's kind of, I don't know. I look like that guy from The Sopranos. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Aditya wrote, uh, uh, your entire MBA course on Udemy and your website, are they both different? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, an entire MBA one course is a, is a course that is seven and a half hours long. Uh, but my MBA degree program is, um, it's over 300 hours. It's actually closer to 500 hours, actually more than 500 hours if you take the higher end version. I'll, I'll show you quickly here. Okay. So if you go to my website, which is um, haruneducation.com um, and, and you scroll down, um, here, here's the MBA program. So there, there's three versions of it. Um, I've got silver, gold, platinum. And um, silver, which you can start today, and there's a 30-day 100% money-back guarantee, always. Um, the silver program is 300 hours. Um, it, it, it's like it's like Netflix. You can just stream it online. You'll, you'll own the rights to it forever, as well as additional content. I add a ton of new content every year. Uh, and what it does is it covers uh, five main categories of business. It covers entrepreneurship, sales, marketing, and communications, economics, management, and strategy, finance and accounting, and personal growth, meaning how to improve your productivity and your happiness, et cetera. Uh, and so it's over 300 hours. Again, you get lifetime access. Uh, check it out uh, if you want to. We also have payment plans as well. Um, now, the gold and platinum versions, uh, you can only start um, every January. Uh, and so uh, the gold is just like silver, except there's more than 200 hours of, of live Q&A with me as we go through the curriculum. Um, and then uh, uh, platinum is just like gold, except you get... Um, three hours of one-on-one -on -one Zoom, coach, Zoom coaching with me. If you want me to help you make your LinkedIn profile amazing or your, your startup better, all that stuff. Uh, I humbly want to help. Uh, so check it out if, if you're interested. Yeah. Uh, and we have over a thousand people that, that have taken the program now. Uh, I'm humbled to say. So you can go to haroonventures.com to learn more. Now, if you want to uh, buy my courses or MBA program in coaching services, etc., uh, you can click this link here. Uh, and then just view all products. And I have a subscription service as well and uh, a bundle as well. And you, you can check that out uh, if you want to. Yeah. So in the current uh, gold and platinum program, we started January 10th of this year. If you're watching the replay of the year is 2022. Um, we have 200 students. Um, and uh, if you purchase silver, you're guaranteed a spot um, uh, in the gold and platinum program at a discount. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Peyton, thanks again for your time today, man. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to you always. Always great to see you, brother. Okay. And, and the reason why I do what I do is because I wrote this book uh, years ago that I'm humbled to say Forbes called it um, one of six books all entrepreneurs, entre entrepreneurs need to read right now. Um, I, I found that with my MBA, which I got from Columbia University, I, I found that I... I was frustrated because I didn't really learn concepts I could apply in the real world. It was very theoretical. Uh, and so they don't teach you in school important concepts like you know, how to get a job, how to network, how to sell, how to present, how to manage your own money. They teach you how to manage other people's money, but not your own. They also don't, don't teach you how to start a company. Like ask anybody that graduated from business school. So do you know, do you know how to start a company now? No idea. And so it was frustrating for me, you know, for a hundred grand, 
to, to get a two-year, uh, get a degree over two years where you learn theoretical stuff you can't apply in the real world, like supply and demand charts. Like who uses that stuff unless you're a minister of finance or something. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to point here and smile. And this is what YouTubers do for my thumbnail. Okay. So I'm going to do my cheesy used car salesman with my used car hair right here. So I'm going to smile here uh, and then I'll know exactly uh, where, to, where to fast forward to. Hold on a second. This is awkward, but I'm trying to hold it the right way. So I'll hold it like, like this here. <laughs> and Pablo Picasso said, if you strive for perfection, you'll never reach it. So I'm just going to hold it like this. Here we go. Right here. All right, here we go. This is good. I'll point like this, and this will be the, the picture for this week with my awful hair. It looks like I have a, a, a freaking wig on here. And that is at 945. I'll remember that number is, is, as well. Yeah. All right. And we lost a bunch of viewers there. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, and then Dinesh wrote, uh, the call is never over or complete without one of your, your jokes. Thank you. Thank you. Can you believe I'm 50? It's crazy, man. Uh, next up, uh, uh, Super God wrote, uh, uh, hello, Chris. Um, will you be releasing the, the real estate course? Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. I'm doing programming stuff as well, uh, but I'm also working on the real estate course at the same time. Yeah. It, what I want to do is I want to fly up to Canada. Uh, I bought a couple of buildings in Southern Ontario in a place called London, Ontario, where I was born. Uh, and they named London, England after London, Ontario. Um, and so I'm going to fly up there uh, and, and I'll do a video production shot there. Um, with the buildings I own and how I make money from it. Yeah, or try to make money from it. All right, uh, next up, uh, uh, Christina, how are you? Uh, Christina, I just opened the, the gift you sent. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are the best. You are the best. Uh, uh, Christina uh, and her husband, Christian and Isabella, I read the note from all of you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And it's so funny you sent me that too. And for those of you wondering what it is, it's this incredible device. Uh, it's like a battery um, that can uh, jumpstart your car and it can actually provide power uh, to your computers. And it can also help to pump up your air the tires in your car. It's an unbelievable device. And the funny thing is this, um, uh, two nights ago, uh, my, my car ran out of battery. And so I went to go and get my car. And this, this guy actually helped me. He had this battery device. And, and we exchanged emails as well. Uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. Uh, and so what I did was I actually invited him to join our MBA program as well. Uh, and I gave him a full scholarship to Platinum. You're going to love meeting him as well. And that's why it's so ironic you sent me that as well. The timing is amazing. You know, the, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I love it. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Uh, and Christina, for those of you that haven't met her, um, uh, she was coined by, by Peyton Kalohea uh, as our, our fearless leader. Uh, and she is the head now of the Haruna Education Ventures MBA degree program alumni network. Um, she did an incredible job also uh, organizing uh, uh, the, the entire graduation we did on December 18th of last year. She's head of the yearbook. She, she's amazing. She's a renaissance person and she inspires all of us so much. Always great to see you, Christina. And thank you from the bottom of my heart, as always. And hi, Isabella, if you're home. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you wrote here, um, uh, you're at the 10 a.m. waterline and uh, 337 steps. Yeah, for me, I'm at uh, 8.30. Oh. Way behind schedule. I've only done about 200 steps so far today. But once this call is over, what I'll do is I, I turn this on and I get my steps in. Yeah. And underneath me is, is, a, is, is a walking treadmill, as many of you know. Um, for those that are having trouble being productive, 
get a treadmill under your desk, okay? It's amazing. Uh, and this thing, I've taken more than 15 million steps on this treadmill in the past two years. If you don't believe me, just do the math. 365 times two, two years, times 20,000. So anyway, it helps to keep me fresh uh, as well. And I feel like I just woke up whenever I use it uh, to, to work as well. It's fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, next up, Rose. Uh, uh, Rose wrote here, uh, what is your opinion about the U.S. dollar collapsing because of the government printing money without it being backed by gold? Uh, do you feel the U.S. is in danger of rampant inflation like Venezuela? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. So for those of you that are familiar with what happened with Venezuela, uh, they had a currency called the Fuerte which ironically is Spanish for strong. Um, and inflation was so high, they just got rid of the currency uh, completely. Yeah. Um, so in the United States, the way it works is the United States dollar used to be backed uh, by, by silver. Okay, it used to say it on older bills from the late 1800s and even up until 1917. Then the United States switched to backing the US dollar uh, on gold. Uh, and that's why in, in, uh, they're, they're, they had massive gold reserves in the United States. Um, Fort Knox, I think, is where all the gold is underground. Um, then what they did was in 1972, President Richard Nixon, remember the guy that went like this? I'm not a criminal. <laughs> in 1972, uh, President Nixon uh, took the United States dollar off the gold standard. And since, since the early 70s, the United States dollar has been backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Uh, and so for decades, people have been saying, oh, the dollar is going to crash. It's going to crash. It's all relative, though, because when you look at, at currencies, the value of one currency is always relative to the value of another currency. And so if the United States prints a lot more currency, and Peyton Kalohe, one of my wonderful students, taught me uh, that over the past two years, the government in the United States has increased the number of bills out there by 40%. It's all relative. Because other countries did the same thing as well. And so in order to keep interest rates low, you have to put more currency out there. It's like any other product. If you increase the supply, the price goes down. So if you increase the supply of money out there, the price of interest goes down. And so the United States government had to keep interest rates low in order to keep the economy functioning given this COVID crisis. But it's not just the US. Every country in the world did this as well. Every country. In fact, China just cut rates for the second time in the past couple of weeks or so because the Chinese economy, it did well last year at 8% year over year growth, but it slowed down materially in December because of the China real estate crisis. And so if every country in the world increases the supply of their currency, then the value of all currencies doesn't really change relative to each other. Okay. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, Peyton wrote here, um, I think he will break even in a month and a half, depending on how dense the area is. Yeah. And Peyton's re referring to my son, uh, uh, Dylan, who's 12, uh, who is trying to save up money to buy a helium miner, um, which is hard to get these days. He's trying to save up 400 bucks. Good luck to him for raising all the money. I'm not going to give him a penny for it. Yeah. But he'll figure it out. He's a smart kid. Yeah. He takes, he, he got a lot of his mother's genes. That's why. All right, next up, uh, Shihan wrote, uh, hope all is well. Uh, there's a forecast by some analysts that Bitcoin will go up to $400,000 in the next 12 months. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, please? Yeah, yeah, I, that, that, that seems like a lot. Um, I, nobody can call a stock 
or crypto or any investment class within one year. It's just too hard, too hard, yeah. But that that would be a lot. I'd be happy if it happened because I, I own a ton of Bitcoin, I always have. Um, but um, I'd be surprised if it went up that much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only the only reason I think it would go up that much is is if inflation was rampant and the government had to raise interest rates a lot. And from a, a cus, uh, an investor sentiment perspective, people started thinking of gold, uh, a, a digital gold as being Bitcoin, meaning a flight to quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember in 2008, when I was running my hedge fund, um, my biggest position on the long side was ticker GLD. That's the ETF for gold. Right. So when there's a lot of fear in the markets, people usually buy gold. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Peyton wrote here, fearless leader as well about Christina. Great to see you. And Christina, thanks again from the bottom of my heart for the gift that you, Christian, and Isabella gave me in the wonderful card. God bless you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's, the timing was amazing too. It's just the, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I love it. God bless you. And God bless you, Peyton. And I love that shirt you're wearing, brother. Yeah. You're my brother from another mother. All right. Uh, and then Venki asked me, um, uh, what is the ring name? So this here is the Ura, O-U-R-A. It, and it comes with an app as well. Um, I don't know if I'm too convinced about it because there's a stupid subscription business model they have as well. Uh, but um, I, I'm, I'm a geek. I always have to try these new products out. So basically um, what happens is it syncs directly with, with this and you can monitor your, your sleep and, and everything as well. Right. Um, and I'm in airplane mode. Let me turn off airplane mode so it'll sync. And, I, and I'll show you what it looks like in a second as it updates here. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. G give me one second, guys. Hold on a second, please. Here we go. All right, cool. All right, so next up we got Pearl. Hey, Pearl, how are you? Pearl is uh, in my MBA program. Uh, Pearl wrote, hi, Chris. Uh, so glad to be on the call. I missed everyone. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, uh, and then uh, next, next up I've got uh, uh, David. How are you? David is um, one of my, my, my students from this year in the MBA program. A great guy as well. Yeah, good to see you, brother. And I love your questions. And that was the most inspiring call we've ever done together, all of us, in Time Zone 2 on Tuesday night. Yeah, thank you. John, how are you? John Clee, he's uh, one of the guys that works with me. Great guy. I met him on this webcast a couple of years ago, actually. Uh, and I put up a job posting on my website uh, and tons of people applied and, and, and he, he's got the gig. He's great. And so what John does, he's from Rochester. Awesome guy. Uh, what he does is uh, whenever you watch this weekly webcast and you go to the description field, you'll see all the questions asked with clickable access, time code wise. John does that. He gets it all done within like an hour or two by the time the webcast is done. It's incredible. He's really pushing the goalpost out and a great role model for, for my, my other employees as well. So John wrote here, uh, hey, Chris, uh, just dropping in to say, hey, what's going on, buddy? Buddy, uh, I, I know you're a water drinking machine. <laughs> Have you ever heard or used of a product called uh, liquid uh, IV? No, I, I, it sounds like something from the hospital. Uh, tell me more about it if you're still here, please. I, I'd love to learn more about it because I love to biohack uh, when it comes to my, my nutrition, uh, my, my, my coffee, uh, this basically has every antioxidant on the planet in it. I make these every Sunday, seven of them. And of course, I drink a lot of water and I exercise a lot as well. Yeah. All right. Um, and I had a question about my Ura ring. 
Ura ring. Yeah, it's it's not syncing properly. So um that's not that robust really. Yeah. On the fence about it. I still I can still return, I think. Yeah. All right. Um next up I have got here. All right, hold on a second. Okay, next up, uh, Aditya is asking oh, NFT questions, which um, which uh, Peyton already answered. Yeah. Okay, next question is from Dinesh, which is, Chris, if you had one hour with Warren Buffett, uh, what would you ask him? Yeah, and actually he, uh, so Buffett graduated from the same uh, university I did, same program. Um, he actually came and taught us um, for class. It was like a couple hours um, when I did my MBA, MBA in finance there back in 2000. Um, and, and the questions we asked him at the time were about tech companies. I remember this well. And a guy that was sitting beside me in class was pitching a tech stock to Warren Buffett. And this was December of 1999. And about 30 seconds into the, the pitch of that tech stock, Warren Buffett very gently and grandfatherly interrupted very nicely. And he said, son, I'm going to stop you right there because... I don't know where that tech company's products are going to be, you know, one, two, five or 10 years from now, because there's not much visibility and I don't understand it. I, I, don't, I won't invest in it. And people thought he was crazy. And of course, he was a genius because four months later in March of 2000, the Nasdaq uh, peaked and then crashed. Yeah. And so what Warren Buffett loves to do is he likes to ask himself simple questions like this. So he's been an investor in Coca-Cola forever. So what he'll think to himself is, in five or 10 years, are more people going to drink Coca-Cola than they are today? And then he'll look at the valuation, build out a financial model, look at cash flow metrics, et cetera. Now, of course, that was decades ago when he invested in Coke and made a fortune. I think Coke is in secular decline. I think in five or 10 years, fewer people will be drinking Coke than they are today. And that's why Coke bought uh, Dasani water and they're diversifying as well. But about 30% of their revenue still comes from Coca-Cola-based products. And I think the next generation is going to look at Coca-Cola and think, oh my goodness, you guys drank sugar water? That's like smoking cigarettes. Not as bad, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that Warren Buffett basically gave the impression he's very long-term focused when he guest lectured. Uh, also, his wife was there and God bless her, she passed away. Uh, but uh, his wife was teasing him when he was guest lecturing. She was teasing him because on his honeymoon, he brought one book and that book was The Intelligent Investor. Um, and that's been written by Graham and Dodd, who are professors at, at Columbia, which is why Buffett went there. Uh, but it, ask yourself this. This is kind of fun. If you went your honeymoon today and you could only bring one book, what would it be? And whatever book that is says a lot about you in terms of your passion from a career perspective. And maybe that's the career you should pursue. All right. Give me one, one second here. Next question is, is from uh, uh, Shahroon who wrote, uh, what are your thoughts about a career uh, in market research? Yeah. So what I would say, if, if you're going to do that, you have to love numbers. Uh, you have to love statistics as well. And I teach statistics in my MBA program in the fourth semester in a fun way. This is normal probability Galton board. You have to love numbers. You have to love statistics. A lot of people think that marketing is just qualitative based. It's not. A lot of it is analyzing the size of a market, the growth of a market, and lots of different data points. 
And so the way to find out if that's something you might be passionate about is to look into business intelligence-based software or analytics-based software. And the place I would start is I would open up Excel and play around with it and create a pivot table and try to create charts and find patterns in the data based on that. And if that is fun for you, then the next step is to look at other uh, analytical packages or software products. I would then move on to Tableau, uh, which is this great graphical user interface product uh, that, uh, uh, that, that Salesforce now owns. They bought it. The company's ticker was Data, D-A-T-A, uh, founded by Christian Chabot, brilliant man, I met him. Amazing, amazing CEO, so sad that Salesforce bought him. Then I would move on to other products uh, as well. You know, maybe, maybe take a look at Python and programming as well. Um, and, and if you enjoy that as well from an analytics perspective, then that's the job for you. It makes sense to do it. Yeah. Okay. And I will be teaching programming, business programming, uh, later this year. Yeah. And I've done so much coding in my life. Um, I'm embarrassed to say this, but here I go. I'm about to turn 50, as you know. But I started out when I worked at Accenture years ago um, uh, doing COBOL on mainframes. I'm a dinosaur, folks. COBOL stands for computer-oriented business language. Uh, I've done C++, Java as well. In 1996, when I worked at Accenture, uh, I was part of a, a group of three people that started Accenture's first uh, internet R&D lab center. And uh, Accenture sent me to Sun Micro to learn Java. Like, like years ago. And it was created by, uh, by Gosling, uh, who is uh, from University of Calgary, a fellow, fellow Canadian. So I've done that. I've done C++. I've done a lot of uh, ODBC. That's old school database programming. Um, SQL, the structured query language uh, for, for you know, basically getting data from databases and all that stuff. Uh, and I'm learning new languages now, and I'm going to be teaching it as part of my MBA program. Yeah. But it has to be fun. You have to enjoy that stuff. If you don't enjoy programming, it's not the right career for you. And here in Silicon Valley in the venture capital industry, we usually say the difference between an average uh, developer or coder or programmer, the average uh, developer and a great developer is literally 10x performance-wise. It's unbelievable. And, and the difference between an average salesperson and a great salesperson is 2x performance-wise based on the metrics we look at. But developers tend to love doing what they're doing to the extent that they don't feel like they have a job, they have a passion. They love doing it. It's like playing a video game. That's the way I look at it as well. And if you don't thoroughly enjoy programming, you can't do it because there are a gazillion other people that love doing it and are very good at it because they're passionate about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, Peyton wrote, awesome time. Thanks, guys. Peyton, thank you so much, brother, for being on the call. Always great to see you. I hope you, you, you're having a, a good trip there uh, to Okinawa and that your move from San Diego back to Oklahoma uh, worked out well for you, uh, uh, Hannah and the kids. Yeah. Okay, Sheehan wrote, a bit of a silly question. Any reason why you kept platinum as the premium course and not gold? <laughs> a gold price has surpassed platinum uh, many years ago. It's just, just from a branding perspective. It's a great question, though. Yeah. Maybe I'll call it NFT level or something. I don't know. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, and I actually learned about that uh, from, from Tony Robbins. So I, I met Tony Robbins, great guy. Um, he actually invested in one of my, my companies. Um, and when he came out here, when I worked in VC, I'll never forget it. He came to the office of, of, of one of my portfolio companies um, and he had security guards everywhere looking around with those things in their ear. Uh, super nice guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, but but he basically with with his program. Um, so I learned the tiering system from him. Right, he doesn't teach it, but I observed it. Uh, and so he has platinum, gold, silver as well. Or actually, I think he calls it something different. But platinum, I think, was one of the higher echelons. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, and then next up, uh, Khan wrote, uh, I love you, man, uh, from India. I learned so much for you on Udemy. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. And as I mentioned earlier in the call, I'm turning 50 on February 2nd. Uh, and my wife said to me, she said, we'll go to any restaurant you want. Um, and I told her, first of all, I don't want a surprise party. I don't want to go any friends. I just want you, Christine, my wife, uh, and the three boys, these guys. And so the restaurant we're going to uh, is an Indian restaurant um, where I always get the dosa. Yeah. And again, you haven't lived until you tried dosa, people. It's the best food ever. All right. Um, uh, uh, next, next up, uh, Amine wrote, uh, thank you, Chris. You, you, you inspire me. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I, my students inspire me so much. Yeah. And when one teaches, two learn. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Dinesh wrote, will the metaverse affect real world property values? And will it also reduce dependency on transportation uh, in the long run? Yeah. So I think that if, if COVID really made me realize that having a, a physical office in a big city is ridiculous. If you take a step back and think about it, it doesn't make sense for us to commute two hours every day, you know, hour two work, an hour back. It's moronic. You know, it's bad for the environment from a pollution perspective. It's bad for your family life because you're not around your kids as much. And it's bad for your health because you don't have as much time to exercise. It is crazy. This whole rat race situation of commuting to go to a big office tower doesn't make any sense at all. And so I think that the best real estate investment longer term is farmland, not city land. And if I can go short real estate in big cities and long farmland, that's what I would do. Because I think going to an office tower is a thing of the past. It doesn't make any sense. So from a metaverse perspective, because we're all going to be doing more calls like this in different virtual settings, like virtual conference rooms, I think that the value of real estate in big cities is going to go down. And with COVID, if you worked in the services industry during COVID, we've kind of all proven to the world that we can all do our job remotely. We don't have to be in the office every single day. And so I think that the metaverse is going to lead to cities and city-based real estate going into secular decline. So instead of me, you know, having an office on Central Park, uh, which I did when I worked, um, I worked at a hedge fund called Kingdon at 57th and 7th by the Carnegie, uh, the Carnegie, um, uh, Carnegie Hall. And there was a beautiful view of Central Park. But if I can do that from a metaverse perspective as well, if it looks the same and it feels the same, why do I really need to be there? It's kind of like, like, why do I need to go to a movie theater if I have a badass television at home? It's kind of like that. just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, in terms of real estate investments virtually, um, I think there's plenty of ways to make money. And so Airbnb, what they're starting to do is they're starting to get into virtual real estate, metaverse real estate. And the best way to think about it is, let's say that I wanted to teach my students my MBA program. And I didn't want to just teach you here. 
I wanted to, to teach you from an office tower with a beautiful view of the Bay Bridge uh, and the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. I would tell all my students who are wearing the, the Metaverse visors or AR product, whatever it's going to be, to say, come with me now. We're going to shift over to uh, the Bay Bridge room. And we rent that office for the day from the virtual office uh, from Airbnb. It's, it's worth it. It makes sense. I get it. Virtual real estate is going to be a big deal as well. And if you don't believe me, just think about uh, the younger generation. You know, they grew up digital. They, they grew up uh, watching YouTube. They grew up with fewer toys than my generation did because they have virtual toys in the cloud. They own skins. They pay for skins, you know, in games like, like Fortnite, etc. They understand the concept of virtual products. And so I think it makes sense that virtual real estate is going to be a, a very robust market, amazing market to invest in. Yeah. And it's going to be great from a, a brand extension perspective. You know, so uh, let, let's say that's, I don't know, you, you own Manchester United, which is publicly traded. And I bought one share for my son, Andrew, gave it to him for Christmas in a nice big frame in 2017. But let's say that you own Manchester United and you want more people to come and watch your football games there. Well, what you can do is you can have virtual real estate as well, a virtual stadium, so that people can come in and watch the game that way. And what they can also do is they can walk through the Hall of Fame room, for example, of all the best players that played for Manu. Maybe you can even interact with players or avatar versions of players. All right. Fred, how are you, man? Fred Mendoza, great to see you, brother. So Fred is from Baltimore. Uh, he works in the healthcare industry. He's an expert in options. He graduated from the platinum version of my MBA program last year. Uh, and without his help, I would not have been able to release my options course last year. He is a pro options investor as well. You inspire me, brother. Great to see you. And thank you so much during our in-person graduation on December 18th on Saturday in 2021. Thank you for the video that, that you made that Christina played. Uh, the video, uh, for those of you out there uh, that aren't familiar with, uh, with, uh, with Fred, was he was in front of the, Link, the Lincoln Memorial and he said some really inspirational words that the audience loved, uh, the in-person audience and the webcast and myself as well. God bless you, brother. I love you. Thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> next up, um, uh, John wrote, um, uh, and I think uh, beforehand, before you mentioned uh, a product called uh, Water IV or something or Liquid IV. Um, and then you wrote, you can find it on Amazon. It's a little powder mix that you put into a water bottle. They use uh, cellular transport technology. Drinking one bottle is is like drinking three. It has a little bit of sugar. Sugar. That's interesting. Let, let me check it out. Okay, cool. If there's a way I could drink more water without actually drinking more water, I'd, I'd love to check that out. Let's go to Amazon together and, and see what John is discussing here. And John works with me as well. Great guy. All right. So the product you wrote, um, it's, what is the name? Liquid. Hold on a second. I'm going to do a control F on Clay. All right. Hold on a second. Give me a sec, guys. Liquid IV. Okay. Let's check this out. Liquid IV. Liquid IV. Interesting. All right. Um, 
Look at that. Oh my God, 50,000 ratings, four and a half. I've never even heard of this. What is this, man? All right, so this product here, hydrogen powder, huh? So I'm gonna go and look at the reviews. And what I always do is I sort by most recent. That way, you know, it's not being scammed here. All right, so you always go to most recent. Okay. Okay, works awesome. Recovering from COVID, incredible work as described. Okay. Um, sweet, water, thick, not a fan. I could handle the sweetness. Okay. But he didn't, okay, hold on. Interesting. A hydration boost. Yeah. All right, so the, the complaint is too sweet, um, but I don't care about the taste. I just care if it works. Thank you. I'll, I'm actually, I'll, I'll check this out. Okay, so what I'm going to do is uh, I'll put this, um, I'll, I'll add that to, to one of my lists later. Thank you, man. Thanks. I'll, I'll check it out. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. I'm always interested in biohacking, new tips and tricks to give us more energy. Thank you. All right, give me one second. And if you're curious what I'm doing, I'm searching for John's name to get back on track to the last question. Hold on a second. Okay, here we go. Good. All right, next up, uh, Henny, how are you? Good, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Um, uh, and then John, regarding liquid IV wrote, I, I don't love it, but uh, one a day is okay. Really keeps you feeling light and hydrated. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it for sure, man. Thank you. Thank you. And Henny said, how are you? I uh, hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm always great. Thank you. And I, and I hope you're doing well. Any day that I'm able to uh, have the privilege of, of teaching and interacting with my wonderful students and customers is a great day. Thank you. And before I get up every day, uh, in order to put me into a peak mental state, what I do is I practice gratitude every day. So before I go to bed, I always thank God for these 10 things in this order. I go, Andrew, Matthew, Dylan, Christine, my wife, my mom, my dad, my brother, Jamie, my sisters, Katie and Elizabeth, and you, my students. I'm grateful. Yeah. All right. Uh, give me one second here. Uh, Andre, who's one of my MBA students, uh, wrote, uh, Wow, Chris, um, uh, me and you were born February 2nd. Oh, no way, on the same day. Uh, but I'm two years younger. It's awesome, man. It's, it's Groundhog Day, right? It's great. It's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Good to see you, man. All right. Uh, uh, Zishan wrote, uh, listening uh, to you week after, ye after week has made me understand uh, how much of a scammer you are. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, listening to you week after week has made me understand my passion. Uh, I have also been teaching students for a long time. Uh, now I have started uh, with online classes for cost accounting as I am a uh, CMA. I learned, thank you. I learned a lot from you. Uh, I'm working on a book too, how to make tax simplified for my students. I wish to teach as edutaining as, as you one day. Uh, thank you. Uh, and I'll share my book with all the HEVNs. I like that. Uh, Ruin Education Ventures, Ian's. The HEVNs soon. Thank you. And I, I appreciate that. Appreciate that. God bless you for that. Now, if anybody wants to write a book, um, what you can do is you go to my website here. Okay. You go to um, heroin. Is that it? Heroin Ventures? Heroin Ventures? Okay. Uh, and then what you do is right here at the end, you add um, write book. Okay, that's all lowercase. And what you do is you just download this template. If you know how to use a browser, Microsoft Word, you can do this. And there's one pages of instructions. That's it right here. Okay. One pages of instructions. And this will teach you how to get it onto uh, Kindle 
uh, as well as uh, Amazon Paper and then audible.com, which is acx.com. And then what you do is you just fill in the blanks, all this stuff here, and then you just right click and repaginate, which apparently is a word. You do that within Microsoft uh, Microsoft uh, Word, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. And so that, that format there is is what I did for my, my book. It's six inches by nine inches. Sorry for those on the metric system, but six inches by nine inches. And it's free to do. It's free to do. And uh, you can use that when you walk into your next interview or when you walk into um, a meeting with a potential customer. And if you think it's too much work, ask yourself this. How badly do you want that job? All right. Cool. Uh, next up, Christina, uh, who's our fearless leader. Uh, Christina, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for that wonderful gift from you, Christian, uh, and, and Isabella. I appreciate it. Thank you. You inspire me, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Carpe diem. Uh, so Christina wrote, uh, Chris and John, uh, good opinion is highlight electrolyte supplement for immune support uh, and rapid hydration. No sugar. A better option than liquid IV, uh, which has 11 grams of sugar. Thank you. I'm going to take a screen print of that. Actually, give, give me a second here. Hold on. All right. Thank you. I'll check that out. Thank you. Yeah. When one teaches to learn. Yeah. I learn more from all of you than you learn from me. That's for sure. Okay. Uh, uh, next up, uh, Zidane wrote here, what can you say about procrastination? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a great book I read on 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 how to stop procrastinating, but I never finished it. Yeah. Not funny. I know. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So procrastination, you, you can you can destroy procrastination, get it out of your life by scheduling each day. You got to set deadline dates for all your mini goals as well. And Elon Musk once said, if you have a one year deadline, you'll get it done in one year. If you have a three-day deadline, you'll get it done in three days. And that's wonderful advice from, from Elon Musk. So the way to end procrastination is to set deadline dates for everything. And the way to set deadline dates for near-term goals is to create a daily schedule every single day during the week, but not the weekends. And in my MBA degree program, in the second class, in the personal growth class, which is the second class after orientation, I give you an amazing system to help you accomplish 10 times more every day. And what you can also do is you can vocalize your goals and set deadline dates and tell people about them because that way it puts pressure on you. And I say it with love my heart, puts pressure on you in a good way to get your goals done. And if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. And so I can help you accomplish a lot more with my daily scheduling system which I teach in the second class of my MBA program. You can go to haroonventures.com to check it out. Thanks. All right. Uh, next question is from uh, Harsh, uh, which is, uh, Chris, in which country would you prefer to start a company? The United States or Canada? Whew. I'm very proud to be Canadian. Um, very proud. And there's a lot of successful companies in, in Canada. Oh, I got to be so careful how, how I say this. Um, it's easier to, 
turn over employees, if need be, in the United States. Um, in Canada, I, I remember. I remember I worked at Goldman. I was in the New York office, and every now and then I go to the Toronto office, uh, and there's somebody that was let go, but he got to hang out in the office for six months. There are different labor rules, yeah. But I love both countries a lot. And anybody in Texas, don't mess with Texas. Can you please take your tax code and bring it here to the to the left coast in California? A lot of people are bailing from this great state of California because taxes are too high. You know, they're voting they're voting with their with with their feet. They're leaving. They're going to Texas or Florida or Colorado. And uh, Elon Musk is doing it. Oracle is doing it as well. And I've thought about doing it as well. And Tony Robbins, you know, he lived in California his whole life. And then several years ago, he said, screw it. Taxes are too high. He moved to Florida where taxes are basically non-existent. So I've thought about it, but I'm not, not going to do it yet for a couple of reasons. Number one, my kids are in wonderful public schools. Number two, as part of this, my MBA degree program, I'm going to have a lot of guest lecturers and do a lot of interviews with people that are CEOs, the who's who. And I know, I know a ton of them down the valley, 20 minutes south of me in Silicon Valley. And I want to incorporate that into the curriculum and being here makes sense. And I don't want to just do Zoom calls. I want to go to the headquarters and interview like it's 60 minutes, like the television show on CBS. And I also want to kind of like MTV Cribs, do a, a film shot of, of, of the, the headquarters as well. You know, a day in the life of what it's like to work at Google, for example. And so for now, I'm, I'm staying where I am. But longer term, I'm thinking hard about Florida. Um, and, and yeah, and maybe maybe Texas. Don't mess with Texas. But more likely Florida. And I'll spend my summers in Toronto because I'm proud to be Canadian. Okay. Um, uh, and then Zeeshan wrote, uh, I've read your book uh, and I basically revisit it uh, almost every week. Thank you. Like you're, you're referring to this one here. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and, and I remember, dude, like anybody can write a book. Um, so I self-published this. And after I published it and I got a lot of humble news or articles about it. Business Insider called it the, the number one book and the most favorite book of the year in 2016 by Business uh, Insider uh, customers. And then Forbes uh, called it one of six books all entrepreneurs need to read right now, um, along with Peter Thiel's book, uh, uh, Simon Sinek, and a bunch of others, uh, Stephen Covey. But what happened was this, and this, this changed my life. Uh, and it's why I do what I do right now, because they don't teach you the most important things in business school you need to know. But the crux of why I did this was, well, first of all, I, I, I told my family and friends I was writing a book um, years ago. And every time I would see them at Thanksgiving, they were like, how's that book coming along? Um, and so um, it, it was frustrating for me. And, and I have to show you a little clip from Family Guy because I'm going to show you what my life was like when people had asked me uh, about how's that book coming along. And you guys, you guys will laugh at this. Hold on one second. Let me go there with you. And I won't be able to monetize this video because of this, but it's fine. So you got you got to tell people uh, about about your novel, right? So um, I'm gonna play this little, little clip here. Uh, it, it, it's kind of, kind of funny. Uh, and then when you watch this, I'm gonna take a quick break. But this 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 will make this will make you laugh. Hold on a second. Ryan, I can't believe you're gonna be on the Bachelorette. Yeah, I thought you said those shows were stupid. They are stupid. 
But I figure I got a few days of free booze and free food before they kick me off. I could use a vacation. Oh, yes, because you've got such a heavy workload around here. Hmm. How you, uh, how you coming on that novel you're working on? Huh? Got a big, uh, big stack of papers there? Got a, got a, got a nice little, nice little story you're working on there? The big, big uh, novel you've been working on for three years? Huh? Got a, got a compelling protagonist? Yeah, got an got a obstacle for him to overcome? Yeah? Little story brewing there, working on? Working on that for quite some time, huh? Yeah, talking about that three years ago. Yeah, been working on that the whole time? Nice little uh, narrative, uh, beginning, middle and end? Some friends become enemies, some enemies become friends, yeah? At the end, your main character is uh, richer for the experience, yeah? Yeah? Yeah, you got to... No, no, you, you deserve some time off. She told me she loved me on what used to be a hit TV show. I, I can't believe I got sucked into that phony reality world just like everyone else. I became the very thing I was mocking. Well, I know it hurts now, Brian, but look at the bright side. You have some new material for that novel you've been writing. You know, the novel you've been working on. You know, the, the one uh, you've been working on for three years. You know, the, the novel. And got something new to write about now, you know. Maybe uh, maybe your main character gets into a relationship and suffers a little heartbreak. Something like uh, what what you've been you've just been through. Draw from the real life experience. Little uh, little heartbreak, you know. Work it into the story. Make those characters a little more three dimensional. Little uh, richer experience for the reader. Make those second hundred pages really keep the reader guessing what's going to happen. Some twists and turns. Little epilogue. Everybody learns the hero's journey isn't always a happy one. Yeah, I look forward to reading it. All right, I, I'm gonna stop stop it right there. Ryan, I read your article in the Daily. All right, so <laughs> thank you everyone for letting me take a quick a quick break there. Um, but but the, the bottom line is, if you tell people you're writing a book, um, every time you see them, they're gonna ask you about it, and that will put pressure on you in a good way uh, to actually get the book uh, done. Seth MacFarlane is brilliant; he's a funny guy. Um, yeah, so tell people your your, your goal. So what happened with me was. Um, for years, I was telling people I was writing a book and I tried to motivate myself to finish it. And a couple of things that helped me were number one, what I did was I had somebody make the cover of the book, just the cover. And I ordered it like the soft cover. And I got the cover of the book and I put it on another book that was the same size. And I left it on my desk until I finished this, this book. Um, and then I went to a, a Tony Robbins event that changed my life. Um, and this was in uh, November of 2015. And one of my, my clients and friends, uh, uh, he used to head up JP Morgan West Coast, guy named uh, Michael Bressler, good buddy of mine. Um, he had an extra ticket in LA. So I went to it. And the Tony Robbins event was, was four days. And what happened was um, he also made you walk on burning hot coals in bare feet. And he taught you to think about, um, uh, not think about the pain because it's all up here. And so I did it. And it felt great. I was, I was amazed. And then that night I was up all night with blisters. I took a bunch of Advil as well, but at least I walked on coals. And on the last day of that event, which, which was a Sunday um, in 2015, um, right before we left, he said, I want you to write down your goals and commit to something right now, set a deadline date. And so for me, I wrote down, well, I'll, I'll finish my, my book. And I gave myself three weeks to do it. 
And so I flew home that night from San Francisco from LAX to SFO. And then Monday morning, I, I went into work with my other two partners at my venture capital firm. And by noon on Monday, I was like, guys, I'm not feeling it. I got to go. Sorry. They're like, okay, cool, man. Take time off. Whatever you need, brother. And I went home and I started writing. And my wife, Christine, was in New York uh, that week. I remember that. So just the, the kids and I. And so I started writing. I couldn't stop for three days. It was like that Jerry Maguire moment. Remember when he wrote all day and all night? Then he stole the goldfish. And that was the first movie I saw with my wife, Christine, our first date movie, Jerry Maguire. But I wrote all day and all night for, for three days. And I couldn't stop. And, and I was inspired. And you have to write a book only when you feel inspired. And then I published it. And then Forbes wrote an article about it. Uh, and then Obama's publisher called me. And they said, we'd love to publish your book. Like they wanted to buy the rights. And so I did a very long call with them. And basically, if I did it, they would have, they own the book contents, all of it. And I would make less than a buck per book. And I didn't want anybody to own my IP. So it's it's still self-published. That's it. Did I leave money on the table? Yes. Do I care? No. Kind of like with my YouTube channel. It's not very big. And people say, well, why can't you get to a, why can't you make your YouTube channel bigger? Why don't you just take subscribe? Or why don't you just get endorsements? Never. Because the second I start accepting endorsements from big companies is the second I put them ahead of you, my students. And the second becomes about money first is the second you got to just get rid of me. Like, don't take any more of my courses. I want to humbly help. Now, when Microsoft, when they advertise on a video game website, that video game website doesn't say anything negative about Halo. So what I'm trying to imply here is that if I took sponsors, I wouldn't be putting you first. So I always put my students first. You're the customer. Imagine that a teacher treating students like customers. Uh, and then myself, a, a distant second. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up. Oh, Juan, how are you? Juan David is amazing. He's already given two TEDx talks. I haven't seen you in a year and a half, brother. Hope you're doing well. So uh, he and his family grew up uh, in Venezuela, had a very tough upbringing, which he publicly discloses in his book, of which the Chicago Tribune and myself uh, wrote uh, wrote comments about on the back of his book. Um, uh, and so, um, and the name of his book is Generation Optimism, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so he and his mom and siblings moved to uh, Chicago. Um, and then when he was like, 15 or so, he had already done two TEDx talks, published multiple books, uh, and I think you're an undergrad now. Yeah, it's great to hear from you. I'm still on your email list, uh, which I get all the time, and I'll show you. It's one of the few lists I'm actually on. Uh, you inspire me, brother, but I want to show you I'm on it here. Yeah. Whoops. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. So Juan David. So let's go here to Juan. Here we go. This is Juan. Here you go. Here you go. I, I got, uh, I'm on all of these, uh, the, the general, uh, yeah, generation optimism. This is it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do get your emails every every week. I do, I promise. Yeah. It's, anyway, it's, it's, it's in there. Yeah. Good to see you. It's been a while though, brother. I hope you're doing well. Uh, you, you wrote here, um, uh, hey, Chris, uh, happy new year. Um, uh, wishing you the best uh, for you and your family. Thank you. And I just saw there, you sent me a, a happy new year email in 2021 as well. So God bless you. I hope you're doing well. Lots of love to you and your mother and your family. Yeah. And then you wrote here, currently I'm in my second year of college. Uh, I wanted to study engineering, but they said I wasn't good enough. Now I'll study statistics and, and computer science. Yeah. Well, 
you know, as Les Brown said, uh, somebody's opinion of you does not have to become your reality. Yeah. Just ignore everybody. Do what you're most passionate about. Always. Always, always, always. Yeah. And you inspire me and I love your book, Generation Optimism. Everybody check it out and buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Great to see you, buddy. Great to see you. Uh, uh, Naveed wrote, uh, Chris, I don't know, but whenever I see your, your brilliant face expressions, uh, uh, specifically when, when you break jokes, it reminds me uh, sometime of, of Mart, uh, Martin Freeman uh, in The Hobbits. I look like a hobbit. I look like Gollum. I am Gollum. Just kidding. All right, hold on one second. I have to see who that person is that, that I look like. Yeah, let's go here too. Martin Freeman. All right, let's, let's see who I look like. Oh, this guy. Oh, I recognize that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. He's better looking than I am. So thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to look like that guy from, people used to come up to me on the street and I looked like that guy from Family Ties. Um, this guy, this guy right here, when, when I was younger, people would come up to me not Family Ties. God, what's the name of that show? Oh, it's killing me. I can't remember the show, guys. But there's there's a guy I look a lot like uh, from a TV show in, in the 90s. Um, when I remember what it was, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what it is. Yeah, yeah. All right. See, guys? I, I haven't seen your moments, man. The older I get, the better I was. But I don't care. All right. Uh, uh, next up, Christina wrote, uh, Chris, uh, the best college uh, collagen is Vital Proteins Collagen. It provides unflavored sourced from grass-fed pasture, uh, raised uh, bovine, and Costco has the best pricing. Thank you. And I always say, if you, can't, if you can't find it at Costco, you don't need it. But the collagen I take, and I learned this from, from, um, from Kemi Tade, who graduated last year from our program. She's wonderful. She's from uh, Nigeria originally. Uh, she lives in Ottawa. The collagen I take is, is a powder form, and I put it always in my, my, my coffee every, every day. Collagen. Here we go. Yeah. So this is the one I take. It's part of the bullet, Bulletproof Coffee as well. It's keto-friendly and all that stuff as well. Yeah. So that's, that's the collagen I, I take every day, and I have every single day in my coffee, two scoops, uh, since Kemi recommended it to me uh, about a year ago. Uh, and then Zidane wrote, uh, thanks a lot for your answer. You're, you're most welcome. You're most welcome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, I've got, um, it's killing me. I can't remember that show. I have to show you. Okay, Leonardo DiCaprio was in that show. I'll show you who it was. It wasn't him though. So Leonardo DiCaprio TV show. I'll show you exactly who people I look like. Growing Pains, that's it. Yes. Okay, Growing Pains, great. So let's go to Growing Pains. Google corrected my spelling. And I'll show you TV show, not the Mayo Clinic. Here it is. Okay, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great. So growing up, I would get this a lot here. This guy. I can't remember his name, but people would say I look a lot like, like this guy here. Yeah. Uh, right there, right there. And I had longer hair like that too, kind of like I do now, actually. Yeah. So whoever that guy is, 
on the street, people would always say, I look kind of like him. Yeah. It didn't help me get any dates, though, because I'm uglier than him. Yeah. And my wife is way out of my league. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Dinesh wrote here, uh, Google recently spent $1 billion to buy office space uh, regarding the metaverse question. Yeah. 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 Um, and I know Google has a, has a massive office building in New York as, as, as well. Yeah. Uh, but I still believe uh, that um, that offices in big cities are in secular decline. You know, and whenever I invest in something, I always ask myself from a long-term perspective. In five years, will more people invest in this product or fewer? So in five years, will more people work in big offices in big cities or fewer? Definitely fewer. And that helps you see the, the kind of like the, the trees from the forest, so to speak, or the forest from the trees and understand long-term trends. I think cities are in secular decline. And it's kind of like I saw Warren Buffett once. Uh, we were at a conference and there was a conference discussing the future of newspapers. And there's a panel discussion. And people were saying, uh, you know, it, are, are, are newspapers going to be more successful in the future than they are today? And Warren Buffett lifted his hand. And everyone's like, oh my God, the Sage of Omaha, Warren Buffett has a question. And Warren Buffett said, if the internet was invented first, would we still have newspapers? Of course not. And so if Zoom was created before office buildings, would we have as many office buildings? Of course not. And that's how I like to look at investment and trends. And investment trends last much longer than you think. So I think, I think cities are in secular decline. All right, next up, I got Zishan, who wrote, Hey, Chris, uh, there's been a suggestion in India about scrapping income tax as growth has been very slow here due to government mismanagement coupled with COVID. Uh, what is your suggestion on this? Yeah. <sighs> Look, I, I believe in low taxes. You know, I, I believe in, in Reaganomics to a certain extent. Okay, um, trickle down is kind of cont controversial, but I think if taxes are low, it gives you more incentive to start companies and hire people. So I'm definitely a believer in small government. That's why I loved Ronald Reagan growing up when I lived in Canada. Also, he defeated disgusting communism. I believe in small government and I believe in low taxes. But I believe there has to be some sort of income tax because the government still has to, has to pay bills, etc. But I think the wealthy should get taxed much, much higher, much higher. Now, the problem with the tax system in America is that the richest 400 uh, families uh, in this country, they only pay taxes of just over 20%. But the highest tax bracket is closer to 40%. It's not fair. But it's a conundrum because the way that you get taxed is based on realized profits. And so if I buy a stock and I sell it, whatever money I make, I pay taxes on. But if I never sell it, I don't get taxed. And so Jeff Bezos, in 2007, when he was already a billionaire many times over, he didn't pay any tax because he didn't sell any shares in Amazon. In fact, on his tax return that year in 2007, he claimed $16,000 in deductions because he had four kids, you get four grand each. He got that deduction. That's not fair. And so I think there has to be a wealth tax on people whose net worths are over a billion dollars every year. There has to be, yeah. All right. 
And, and Warren Buffett, even, he's publicly disclosed that he pays less in taxes percent-wise than his assistant does. It's not fair. It's not fair. So I think you should be taxed if you're a multi-billionaire, whatever, based on the percent of your net worth every single year. Yeah. And Rahul, thanks, thanks for that comment. That was hilarious. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, Zishan wrote, Chris, a, a funny question, but seriously. My girlfriend thinks that I study just too much and I don't give her enough time. Yeah. Um, you're a family man. Can you give me some tips? Yeah. Yeah. Um, reminds me of a time where I, I dated this this girl and, and she said that um, she was upset because she said I didn't, I didn't listen to her. And she said something else, but I can't remember what that was. I got that from Dumb and Dumber. Remember, that scene's pretty pretty funny. My favorite scene from Dumb and Dumber, though, is uh, Jim Carrey's at a restaurant. And he's like, um, what is the, the, the soup du jour? And the waiter goes, oh, that's the soup of the day. And he goes, that sounds great. I'll have that. Thank you. Now, in, in terms of, of, of spending more time, um, I, I would take one day off a week, always. Uh, and the basis of many modern, uh, many great religions... Uh, is the Old Testament. Ten rules. And one of those rules is uh, obey the Sabbath. And, and for me, I take I try to, I try take Sundays off. I'm doing it again now. Uh, in December, I was bad. I didn't. I'm such a hypocrite. But I do take Sundays off. And what I do is I reconnect with my family. And I've gone back to the church as well. I, I do my reading. I read now weekly at church or almost every week now in person. So good to be back. And in other great religions, it's it's different days. You know, the, the, the Sabbath, for example, uh, is, is Saturday. And a lot of my, my friends that are, that are Muslim, a lot of my students, it's, it's Friday. They take off as well. And so since the beginning of time, we've been conditioned to understand that we need to take one day off. You know, God created the world uh, in seven days, actually six days. And he said he rested on the seventh day. So we have to rest one day a week. It's the best investment you'll have in yourself. And it's a great way for you to reconnect, per your question, with, with your girlfriend or for me to reconnect with my kids uh, and my wife. Take one day off a week. It's an investment in you. Otherwise, you'll burn out like I did in December, to be honest. Yeah, I worked so hard in December. Uh, I actually got shingles. Uh, and, and shingles, basically, it's a rash you get when you're really stressed. Um, and, and basically, um, it's only on one side of your body. Yeah, but I'm, I'm over it now. I, I feel a lot better. Um, I really overdid it last month. Yeah. yeah. And I made a lot of changes in my company. Um, and my, my stress level is a lot lower now. And I know that because I monitor my sleep every single night as well using my Ura ring. Yeah. And no, I'm not sponsored by any company, nor will I ever be. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, Juan David uh, wrote here and give me one second, guys. Hold on. Okay. Uh, Juan David wrote, um, uh, thank you for your support, Chris. Your support and encouragement always means a lot. Uh, you changed my life. God bless you, brother. Uh, in my first year of high school, I didn't know English uh, nor friends, uh, and I took your MBA course. Thank you. Uh, and then you wrote, which, which I learned a great deal. You taught me English and changed my perspective on business and life. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. I love you. Let me show you everyone uh, Juan David's book. It's great, and I think you guys got to get it. Uh, and the Chicago Tribune had nice things to say about it, and so did I. So let's go to Amazon, 
And, and I'll do a search uh, on the book here. Orders. And I'll go to one. Here it is. Generation Optimism. Okay, this is by Juan David. Uh, this is awesome. You guys will love it. It's fantastic. On the back cover here, you can see right here, the Chicago Tribune wrote, Juan David uh, easily could be described as a Renaissance man. Amen to that. He is. Yeah. He's a, yeah. And also I wrote here, a must read for anyone who believes there are, that there are limits on what we can achieve uh, in, in life. Chris Heroin, apparently. That's how you pronounce his last, pronounce his last name, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's great though, man. N nicely done, brother. Nicely done. You inspire me at such a young age to have published a book and have also given two TEDx talks. You're just getting started. Yeah. All right. And and when you come here to do your um, your master's uh, in engineering at, at Stanford, let's definitely grab a coffee. Okay. But when the bill comes for the coffee or when we have lunch or whatever it is, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to say, I have alligator hands. I can't find my wallet. And T-Rexes can't do push-ups because, you know. Sorry. And I used that joke years ago. Um, it's dad humor, which means it's repetitive. Years ago, I, I used that joke and, and people complained. Um, I had students reach out to me saying, why would you make a wallet out of alligator skin? Right? Because I said I, I have alligator hands at the time, not T-Rex hands. Uh, and so I, I'm not sponsored by PETA or anything. But that, that wasn't, yeah, awful joke. Awful, awful joke. Terrible. All right. But it, it's so wonderful to see you again, brother. So wonderful to see you. And, and I'm serious about that Stanford thing. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Next up, Ruby. Uh, Ruby, how are you? Uh, uh, Ruby uh, uh, wrote here, um, and that's the name of my, 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 my cat as well. We have a cat named Ruby. It's a wonderful name. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, I, I love ancient nutrition. Multi-collagen is terrific. Powder uh, form unflavored uh, in other flavors. Yeah, and collagen is a wonderful uh, uh, protein to take as well uh, to, to help with, with your bones uh, and your joints. And so last year, um, I really hurt my shoulder. Um, so um, I failed. Here's one of my failures. Many, tons of, I, I failed over and over and over again. That's why I succeed, Michael Jordan said. But last year I said that I want to put on 20 pounds of muscle. And I was on track. I gained about 10 pounds halfway through the year. And I was working out with my son, Andrew, every day in the garage, right? Um, and if you want to keep your kids off of other substances, just get them to exercise when they're young. I've never had issues with my son, but FYI. Yeah. Um, but I, I hurt my shoulder. I threw my shoulder out. And so um, uh, one of my students, Kemi Tade, uh, told me to take the collagen protein, which has helped to mend it. And then also uh, Dr. Dion Vernon, one of my amazing students, also uh, helped me out uh, with phys uh, physiotherapy remotely. And I want to show you really quickly uh, the LinkedIn profiles of these two incredible students. And this is a textbook case on how to make a great LinkedIn profile. So let me kick it off with, with Kemi Tade. Okay, so she graduated from my program last year. She's wonderful. Again, she's from Nigeria. Uh, and she lives in Ottawa now with her wonderful family. And her daughter is named Ari, who is adorable. Yeah. And um, uh, so, so basically... Um, what she did was uh, with her profile, she rebranded herself and did such a great job that the most prestigious uh, incubation firm on the planet uh, called Y Combinator reached out to her and now she's an advisor and she helps people raise money for their for, for their funds. Yeah, 
or for their startups. Amazing. The other one is uh, Dion. Okay, Dr. Dion Vernon. Uh, she inspires me so much. And I met her and my wife met her as well. My wife said she's wonderful, which she is, uh, in December when she came out for the annual graduation. But when you have a LinkedIn profile, you want to make sure that the, the, the image at the top here uh, is very inspiring and three layers if you want, because the rule of thirds. Now, in terms of the title, your title, this is the most searched uh, field on LinkedIn. Okay, So you want to make sure that you have certain keywords here that people are going to search for. You got to make sure that you have an amazing uh, uh, summary section as well. And for the rest of your life, whenever you write, please never have more than three sentences per paragraph ever. And so you got to start with something really inspirational. So Dr. Dion Burns' career and education has always been at the intersection of the liberal arts and sciences. In addition to working for the Olympic Committee globally, and she actually won a bunch of gold medals for her team. She also has extensive experience on Broadway with more than 10 productions, including The Lion King, Hamilton, Cats, and Chicago. And I asked her if she worked on Less Miserables, but she did not. Yeah. And if you scroll down here, the only thing, and this is where she got a bunch of gold medals uh, last year, the, the only thing she doesn't have that, that I would recommend um, is to get uh, more, more, um, uh, more, more uh, recommendations. And I always do it for my students when they graduate uh, as well. And it's a great way to brag about yourself without coming across as, as arrogant because somebody else brags for you. So make sure you all have up-to-date LinkedIn profiles with recommendations, et cetera. And of course, I teach this in a lot more detail in my MBA program. Okay. All right. Uh, Christina said, Chris, the Growing Pains TV show. I knew you are going to get it. Christina is like Google. You know, she's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. I still can't remember that guy's name. Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron. That's right. Okay. Somebody else. Marlo wrote Kirk Cameron. That's right. That's right. Cool. And, and Juan David, take care, buddy. I'll see you. Christoph, what's going on? Oh, it's been a couple of weeks, man. I hope, hope we're doing well. You're my, my fellow uh, libertarian from Canada, I think. Yeah. I think I'm libertarian. I don't know. Um, uh, Christoph wrote, I, I think office buildings will be repurposed uh, into residential. Oh, interesting. That's smart. I agree. And that over time, more and more people will be forced economically and climate-wise to leave the countryside and move to cities. Okay. But I think I, think I agree with you when, when it comes to uh, office buildings will be converted uh, into, uh, uh, into residences. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. All right, and Christina wrote, uh, Chris, Kirk Cameron from Growing Pains, uh, Mike Seaver, oh, Mike Seaver passed away too, and his son actually um, is, is a big a music star now, so I remember that, yeah, in, in real life, yeah, uh, Alan Thicke's son, yeah. Um, and he wrote, his younger sister, uh, Candace Cameron uh, Bure, is a star of Full House, another great 80s TV show, yeah, and God bless the, the, the father that passed away from that show, he's amazing, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, and then, uh, and, and Belina, uh, wrote, I adore your knowledge sharing, uh, and your generosity and education. Uh, I wish to get your MBA this year. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I appreciate it. I'd love to have you. Um, there's, uh, there's a 30 day, uh, 100% money back guarantee. So if you go to, um, haroonventures.com or Haroon education, same thing. Um, you can actually click here. Uh, to, to, to check out the MBA courses and my subscription program and stuff. And this is starting to really take off this subscription program. I'm excited about it. And subscription programs are great business models because revenue visibility is high. 
Um, and certainly Netflix and many other streaming service companies have, have made a fortune based on that. And that's where my business is going. We have a subscription component as well. Thank you for that. God bless you. All right. Excellent. All right. I'm going to wrap up uh, this week's webcast. Um, uh, for those of you that are gold and platinum students, uh, please go to the MBA calendar and join me uh, in 20 minutes uh, for the uh, uh, for the weekly office hours for gold and platinum students only. Um, God bless you all. This was a, a fun webcast. Um, I think I've got one more webcast as a 49 year old, uh, and then I'll be I'll be fitty. <laughs> Crazy. February 2nd, I turn 50. Nutty. Um, but uh, it, it, please click like and subscribe. It helps us out. Uh, and, and also, um, if you follow my, my vlogs, um, I drop a vlog every, every day at around 8 a.m. my time, Pacific time. Uh, if not, God bless you all. Have a wonderful weekend. And I will see you every single Thursday at 8 a.m. Uh, my time. And as always, I end with this wonderful life-changing advice video that I licensed uh, from the Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley Historical Association uh, which includes uh, this wonderful video uh, from Steve Jobs. Check it out and thank you. When you grow up, you tend to get told that the world is the way it is and your, your life is just to live your life inside the world, try not to bash into the walls too much, uh, uh, try to have a nice family life, uh, have fun, save a little money. Um, but life, that's a very limited life. Life can be much broader once you discover one simple fact, and that is everything around you that you call life was made up by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can, you can build your own things that other people can use. And the minute that you understand that you can poke life and actually something will, you know, if you push in, something will pop out the other side, that you can, you can change it, you can mold it, um, that's maybe the most important thing, is to shake off this, uh, th this uh, erroneous notion that life is, is there and you're just going to live in it, versus embrace it, change it, improve it, make your mark upon it. Um, I, I think that's very important. And however you learn that, once you learn it, uh, you'll want to change life and make it better, because it's kind of messed up in a lot of ways. Um, once you learn that, you'll never be the same again. Well, that ends this week's podcast. I want to thank you very much for your time. If you want to download my latest book for free or get access to coupons on my courses or learn more about my MBA degree program and much more, please visit HaroonVentures.com. Again, that's HaroonVentures.com. Thanks again for listening in.